warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 246. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushover. Pop culture. Hi, it's Nick Swartzen, and welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. <gasps> oh my god! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian, and I am a leftover. Yes, Jake is not going to be joining us this week. Uh, Jake is spending some time, some quality time, with his brother, so... Uh, he will not be on the podcast. I am not alone this week, so you don't have to listen to me just yammer on by myself. Uh, I am joined by first-time guest Philip Guillet. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Brian. Absolutely, sir. So, yeah, uh, you've been listening since Deadpool 2, if I'm correct. Or Deadpool, excuse me. No, Deadpool 1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah back in uh, in 2016. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this first time on the show and... This was my birthday wish because I just turned 40 a uh, few weeks ago, and this was my birthday wish was to be on the show. That's kind of kind of sad, Philip. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> of all the wishes that you could, you know, conjure it, up, it, that, this uh, is it. I want I wanted to be here. Okay. All right. I know it's a, it's a sweet gesture, but on the flip side, I'm looking on the outside, looking in, and I'm like, that's fucking sad. You know, like even like the making a wish kids, they get it done right. They're like, I want to go to Disneyland or I want to meet Iron Man, you know, and you're like, I want to be on PCL. Well, Disneyland was booked and Iron Man was busy this week. So, all right, you're stuck doing this fucking show. Well, happy, yeah, happy settled. birthday anyway. Thank you. So the big four zero. Yep, yep. Here I am. <laughs> Did uh, when you turned forty, was it like a big thing, or was it like, like, are you just fine with it? You one of these? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna grow old gracefully. I don't give a shit. Or, or, you, or is it kind of fucked you up a little bit? Uh, I mean, it's kind of. I didn't make a big deal of it. I still, I like, I still can't believe how how old it sounds and how not old I feel. Um, but I didn't really make a big deal of it. Um, and my wife says I look good for 40, so I guess there's that. Hmm. 
Well, there, there you go. I mean, that's all that counts. It's, it's all, you know, you know like for me, it was, uh, it was a fucking nightmare and it still haunts me to this day. Oh. Yeah. So there's that. I'm living, I'm living with that. It's, uh, it's, it's a, it's daily a nightmare. 40 sucks. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rebecca Daling joining us. I'm also 40, but that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. 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 So welcome back, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be here. Yeah, we're not, we're not done yet. We still got one more. Scott Shooty, <laughs> welcome back, old man Shooty. You motherfucking puppy dogs. <laughs> 40 years old and whining and complaining and bitching. Most of yeah. you probably sleep through the night without having to get up and take a pee yet. So, you know what? Just, oh, God, if I could be 40 again, I'd be a happy motherfucker. And no, um, this wasn't my birthday wish. So I've got that going for me as well. If, uh, to our listeners, yep. if, if you hear a lot of like uh, uh, creaking and, and and crying and and uh, squealing, that's that's uh, Scott passing a kidney stone. So just uh, <laughs> yep. keep that in I got, mind. I got a, I got a bucket right here. I, I also got a big bag of pop chips, just ready to dive into those. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> So, you know, a, a lot of people ask me, Scott, how how can they be a guest on Pop Culture Leftovers? Every week, me and Jake have, like, new people or sometimes reoccurring guests coming on the show. And uh, I'm not kidding. It's uh, become a weekly thing where I've got people asking me, hey, how do I want to get on the show? Like, they listen to us. They were having fun or whatever. And uh, <laughs> some of them make it their birthday wish, which is, <laughs> okay, man. Do you, do you remember how you got me on the show? How how did how the hell did we get you on the show? I, I was a Patreon member. I gave you a shit ton of money, and then uh, you're like, "All right, we'll put this uh, fat asshole on the show." And and I don't know why you invite me back, but there oh, it is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That, that's a good way to get on. But then there's like I don't know. Then now I'm getting like two uh, two requests a week. At least it feels like it feels like two requests a week to get on the show, and it's like. You know, I understand the people, they've been listening, they get to know me and Jake, they listen every week, they listen to us, like, you know, having fun and all this shit, and they're like, I want to join in and all the fun, too. Um, we don't know you. <laughs> so, <laughs> we want, so, yeah, can we talk about our plan? Because I think the plan still works. I got one email, by the way. Sure, yeah. That's <laughs> all right, yeah. I so, mean, I have a show that nobody listens to um, that is part of the Leftover Army, uh, and if you want to be... For God, you know, if you want to test, if, if, but you know, it's kind of like a low risk test, right? So if you want to be on a podcast uh, and have some fun um, and talk about stuff with uh, me and David Isaac, you can email us at leftoverarmy at gmail dot com and uh, put in the uh, title "Want to be in the yard." Uh, my my podcast is Tales from the Yard. And uh, we'll put you on. Uh, David's been on vacation. Austin just went back up to school. Uh, Rebecca, God knows what you're doing. So um, we haven't had a recording in a couple <laughs> weeks. But, um, yeah, just send us an email and, uh, you know, what the hell. We'll, we'll give you a shot. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the minor leagues of baseball. Uh, if you do okay, you know, maybe you could, you know, get invited up uh, to uh, Pop Culture Leftovers. Um, and if if you don't do okay... Uh, that's okay because no one listens to my show anyway, so it's all good, right? Yeah, see, I'll listen though. See, that's the thing. That's like the big, you know, that's the big thing. 
I'll be listening. They also need to join. They need to join the leftover army group. They do absolutely. Positively, totally agree. We got one person that emailed us, and I got to reach out to him. I forgot who it was because I'm old and I I forget things all the time. You guys will figure that out as well. But so I got to I got to get out to that individual. We'll probably record next weekend, but you never know. Yeah. Can I I just say one quick thing here about the leftover army page? Um, So uh, I'm I'm one of the admins. There are several other admins. When you request to join the page, there are two questions you will be asked before we let you in. And I will tell you this right now. We've had people who have answered those questions in a really dickish, passive-aggressive, nasty way. And guess what? We decline it. You don't get to come in. So if you start out the process by being a dick, you don't get to come on the page. So if you don't know the answer to one of the questions, just say, I don't know. And that's fine. One of us will message you and be like, hey, how long have you been listening? And blah, blah, blah. But if you answer it uh, in a really nasty way, um, you're not going to get on the page. So that's just uh, one little message here from the admins. This Rebecca, despite uh, Rebecca uh, saying all this, it's a really fun group. Well, uh, excuse me. Rule number one: What's rule number one in leftover army? They, they wouldn't. Don't, they wouldn't know because they're not in the group yet. Yeah, I know. I'm telling you now. The rule number one: is Don't be a dick. So if you answer in a really dickish way, okay. So I don't even remember who this was. Somebody. Uh, and the, one of the questions is, uh, what does Frank use a bucket for? Oh, yeah. Uh, and if you've been listening long enough, you know the answer to this question. I ain't gonna give you the answer here, but you know the answer to the question. And, uh, the guy wrote in, how the fuck should I know? And then the second question is, how did you hear about the leftover army page? Because we get a lot of people who think, that we are a, a support group for actual army members and, mm-hmm. and which is fine. That's not what we do, but you know, I'm sure those pages exist. And the guy wrote back from the fucking podcast. How the fuck do you think these questions are fucking stupid? Wow. He's yeah. not in our group. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Rebecca is the third question. How many podcasts are in the Rebecca no, daily podcast up. network? No, that is not anywhere in the questions. That's not anywhere in the questions. <laughs> and that's not a real thing. It is thing totally a real up. thing. you got to drop in everything. It's a thing you made up. It's not a real thing. It's a real thing. <laughs> like how many podcasts open their podcast now with the RDPM drop? I, it's very important. <laughs> Jeez, whatever. All right. Are we done with inside jokes? <laughs> yeah, we are. Okay. Sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, join the group. It sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun, don't it? <laughs> Everybody's wanting to do it. Uh, no iTunes reviews this week. Uh, I always wait for Jake to come back for those. He likes to go over them. Uh, I did want to – I'll see how this goes. I did want to replace the iTunes reviews with a funny article uh, that I saw – and I actually, I saw it months ago and then it popped up in my feed again. I absolutely love this article. Uh, the title of the article, it's, uh, Marvel Studios in Crisis. Tom Holland has quit. This is like one of these fake articles, you know, it's not The Onion, but somebody like wrote it and it's, I think it's hilarious and I can't stop laughing every time I read it. Tom Holland has quit the Spider-Man franchise after Stan Lee kept calling him to tell him that Spider-Man can shoot a weak stream of warm water out of his neck. 
the article goes on to say, there's no doubt that Tom Holland has been awesome as Spider-Man ever since his first appearance in Captain America Civil War. Unfortunately, it looks like Holland's brief career as a legendary web-slinger has come to a premature end. Only one year in, Tom Holland has quit the Spider-Man franchise after the character's creator, Stan Lee, kept calling him to tell him that Spider-Man can shoot a weak stream of water out of his neck. Ouch. This is definitely a tough break for Marvel Studios. Whether he was on set, at home, or driving in his car, Holland says that he was never safe from the endless bombardment of phone calls from Stan Lee informing the young movie star that Spider-Man had the ability to dispense water from his neck at will. This The calls became so frequent and intrusive that Holland felt he had no choice but to step away from the role of Spider-Man forever. Uh, executives at Marvel tried to convince Holland to stay by offering to increase his salary, but Holland refused, citing one particularly long and upsetting 3 a.m. phone call from Stan Lee, during which the Spider-Man creator talked about for over an hour to Holland about how, when Peter's, <laughs> Peter Parker's Uncle Ben was dying, Parker squirted a thin trickle of water out of his neck into Uncle Ben's mouth. And Uncle Ben said that the water from Peter Parker's neck tasted like a thousand animals had drowned in it. And then asked him to squirt more of the water into his mouth. Uh, following the announcement of Holland's departure, Stan Lee took to his Facebook page and issued the following statement. I wish Tom Holland all the success in the world in his future endeavors. Goodbyes are never easy, and Spider-Man likes to squirt water out of his neck and <laughs> onto the floor just in case that will help save New York City from villains. The water squirts out of different parts of Spider-Man's <laughs> neck every time, and he cannot control where it comes out. He once squirted some water out of his neck onto the Green Goblin, which made the Green Goblin stronger and more evil. Goodbye, Tom Holland. I will miss you. The warm water in Spider-Man's neck makes people sick, and it makes people gain weight. Fish can live in it, and they do. And they do live in it. The water is warm. The water is scalding hot. Lots of love, Stan. Um, <laughs> this is definitely a tough time to be a Marvel fan. Here's hoping that the studio can find an actor to portray Spider-Man who's able to tolerate constant phone calls from Stanley, reminding him that the legendary web slinger can squirt water out of his neck. Fingers crossed that this crisis gets sorted out in time for the next Avengers movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I had to read that. That was from, uh, yeah, it was like one of these little Facebook things that popped up. You know, somebody popped this up. News.clickhole.com. Yeah. Hilarious. I just had to share. Sorry. That's just the kind of person I am. I just like to share things. My image of Spider-Man is forever ruined. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Um, guys, are you ready to jump into this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop? Yes, yep. sir. Yes. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. Oh, yeah. 
opening a beer and I don't even have the rating system ready. Hold on. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Let's see here. I wanted to start off. I, I watched some things here that I want to go over here real quick. Uh, I watched uh, Mike Tyson, Undisputed Truth. I've already seen the Tyson documentary, and uh, I watched uh, Mike Tyson, Undisputed Truth. It's on HBO. You can watch it on HBO Go or their on-demand service. It's actually it's directed by Spike Lee, and it's what it is. It's basically just kind of like a. It's Mike Tyson, and he's talking to an audience, and it's basically Mike Mike Tyson unplugged. He's just in front of an audience and telling his story. And um, this is one where, like, I'd seen the documentaries and everything, but it's basically people kind of like – it's him talking and, and you know, the director's chronicling his life. But, like, this is Mike Tyson's words. And so you really get to know, like, what kind of person he is. He's – I was just blown away by how energetic he was on stage. I was, like, getting ready for him to pass out. He's like – telling stories he's very animated um and just running around and telling these stories he talks about i mean everything literally like growing up and um and being a troublemaker and getting he talks about getting into his first fight and beating up you know the bully in his city and he goes on to talk about you know meeting uh getting into trouble he talks about his mother he's only got one picture of his mother and he shared that picture with the audience and he talked about her and um he you know he he had a rough childhood very rough childhood and uh he talks about uh, meeting his trainer and how his trainer which this old italian guy trained him and taught him everything he knew and um it's kind of a sweet relationship and and you actually hear mike tell the stories and relay these stories back to you and like what Mike Tyson thinks his voice sounded like. So he'll use like his, his trainer voice, um, of this old Italian. Uh, it's, it's, I, this, I thought it was fantastic. He goes over everything, his entire career. Uh, he goes into, uh, his marriage with Robert Gibbons. He goes into, uh, the fight with, um, Evander Holyfield, and actually it has a sweet little ending to it. Like, they're really good friends now, uh, even though he huh. bit the man's fucking ear. I, yeah. This was absolutely, and I remember, I, I, I remember growing up and watching Mike Tyson. I, I watched the, the Buster Douglas fight live, you know, when he got beat. You know, he went over to Japan. This was the first time he'd ever done a tour to Japan where he was going to fight over there. And they were getting ready to see, like, you know, this big – I remember, like, the news articles were saying, like, you know, like the the U.S. is going to be sending Mike Tyson to Japan to fight. And they were getting ready to see, like, this – this monster, Mike Tyson was just unbeatable back then. Uh, nobody could stop the guy. And, uh, and then Buster Douglas beats him. Buster Douglas had recently lost his mother and then Mike Tyson had recently lost someone close to him. And, um, but it ended up affecting Mike a little bit more. Uh, this is, this is outstanding. I give it a Tupperware. It's called Mike Tyson Undisputed Truth. I highly recommend this. You don't even have to be a Mike Tyson fan to to watch this and kind of appreciate kind of like where he came from and what he's overcome. He talks about his time in prison. Uh, he talks about Don King, which 
I really needed to hear a lot of stuff that he said about Don King. I've always thought Don King is a slime ball. And uh, mm-hmm. for him to come out and say it was because uh, after he got out of prison, he kind of like said, fuck you to to Don King. And then he brought him back in. And I was like, what are you doing, Mike? What are you doing? And the guy was stealing from him and everything else. So I highly recommend this. It's just a very personal, intimate look at Mike Tyson. You don't have to love the guy. You don't have to watch this and agree with him at the end. But it's. I'll be damned if it's not compelling hearing it from his own mouth and his own words. This is uh, definitely something I would – I think it's a, it's a little under two hours. Um, so I would highly recommend Mike Tyson Undisputed Truth. So really good shit. And the people that went to visit him in prison, you wouldn't believe some of the names. You would not believe some of the names. And I'm going to – spoiler, is it okay if I spoil one name? Spoil. Yeah. yeah. Florence Henderson. Went to visit. Oh, Florence Henderson. Yes, the mother. Mrs. Brady. Mrs. Brady, the mother of the Brady Bunch, went to go visit Mike Tyson in prison. This is uh, just, yeah. So if you want to hear that story and many other stories that I had never heard, even in the Tyson documentary, which I believe you can also watch that on HBO, I would check this out. So, um, yeah. And uh, Spike Lee, of course, the director of this, was one of the people that went to uh, to visit him in prison. So... But yeah, Mike Tyson, Undisputed Truth, fucking incredible. I also watched um, the Riff Tracks version of Cool as Ice is on Amazon Prime, and I watched that oh, this week. I'm so jealous. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this question here. What do Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, and Cool as Ice have in common? <laughs> what? They all have the same cinematographer. I am not lying. Oh, my oh, God. What? Janice Kamiski, the cinematographer for Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, is also the cinematographer for Vanilla Ice's film debut, Cool as Ice. Uh, this is the only way to watch it. It's the guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, and they get together and they do this, they do riff tracks. Like, you can go to rifftracks.com and you can buy the audio and sync it up with, like, movies that you have at <laughs> home. This is one that was on Amazon and they had, like, they had the audio and the video all synced up and you can just watch it. This was a lot of fun. I, I, like, I tried to watch this movie in the past. It's fucking terrible. But when you watch it with riff tracks, it makes it that much more enjoyable. So, yeah, uh, Cool as Ice on Amazon Prime brought to you by Riff Tracks. I give that a Tupperware. It was a fucking blast. <laughs> All right. I'll check it out. Uh, did they stop, collaborate, and then listen? They did. They did. Um, <laughs> oh, hold on. Here's something. Um Back when I was, back when I was, uh, I was working for a cell phone store. Um, I used to manage a cell phone store and, uh, I used to work with this guy, Nick. Nick was fucking hilarious. When me and Nick got together, we would just do some crazy fucking shit. Um, some, <laughs> I'll tell you one of the things before there was that show in Practical Jokers, me and Nick would bet each other to do weird shit in front of customers and, um, and then, like, if he did it, I would be like, all right, when we go out tonight and eat Mexican, I'll buy you your first margarita. You just got to do what I tell you to do. And so Nick, Nick was fucking nuts. Nick was hilarious. But I told him, I said, this next customer that comes in, and it was like an elderly woman, I, I want you to, I want you to say, yo, VIP, let's kick it. <laughs> so she's coming in she's coming into like whatever she's got a phone problem she's coming in to buy a phone she's coming in to upgrade whatever it is i don't care what it is 
you have to say, yo, VIP, let's kick it. And he found a way to bring it up like three or four times. It was hilarious. We would do shit like that all the time. Another time I made him, I made him do hand gestures and uh, say, flight of the Concords. <laughs> it was just weird shit. Like we would have each other doing bizarre shit. And then what the, kind of huh? have you do? Um, I can't remember all the things that he had me do. Um, but it was mo- it was mostly me telling Nick what to do because I loved watching Nick do shit. So, <laughs> and I had no problem buying the guy margaritas because he was even more hilarious on margaritas. But um, um, we would also like when we'd get bored, like we'd see like our coworkers sitting down with a customer, and then we'd just imagine them start to like make out and fuck on the table and shit. I'd be like, all right, so Scott's over there and he's with that old man. Just imagine him making out. And then we we just start dying. I know it sounds fucked up. It sounds fucked up, but it's 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 hilarious when you're when you're actually in that moment and you're imagining (laughs) just just like them like clearing off a table and just going to town. So yeah, that's a weird weird thing to say. But anyway, (laughs) Uh, guess what else I watched this week? I don't know if anyone's ever watched this before. Uh, Scott, you may have. Uh, the Boy in the Plastic Bubble with uh, oh. John Travolta. Do you remember that? Oh. Yes, I watched it live. 1976 movie. I remember yep. watching it as a kid. I wasn't born in 76, but um, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, it's John Travolta, and I think he's like 20 or 21, and it's based on a true, loosely based on a true story, which is <laughs> crazy. It's about this boy who's got like no immune system and shit. And, uh, so like if he's out in the world, the germs will fucking kill him and stuff like that. So he's got to live in this like, you know, plastic bubble that, uh, is germ free. And it's, you know, this, this inspired the bubble boy movie with, uh, what's his face? Uh, is it Toby? No, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal did that bubble boy movie with Vern Troyer, you know, mini me back in the day. And it was a terrible movie, but I, I had seen this movie when I was, I was fascinated by this story. I kept telling my mom, I was like, why? Oh my God, he lived, he had to live in a bubble his whole life. And like, my mom was like, yeah. And my mom, like, you couldn't look shit up on the internet. We didn't have the internet back then. So like, my mom said she might have had some old articles about him and I could read about him. She never found him though. But so now it's like, I saw it and I was like, oh my God, I remember that movie. And I'm watching it. It's terrible. Uh, Robert Reed from the Brady Bunch, the father, he plays the father in this movie. And I yep. went to IMDb and I found out that John Travolta was dating at the time the woman that played his mother in that movie. They were dating. She's 18 years old, older than him at that time. And they were dating. I was like, holy shit. Wow. I didn't know this crazy thing about John Travolta. So mm. she ended up dying the next year in real life of uh, breast cancer. But, mm. uh, yeah. Terrible. So, yeah, uh, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, terrible, terrible movie. Um, but it just, I don't know. I just remember watching it when I was a kid and uh, being fascinated by it. And then I looked up the real story and, like, the kid actually died when he was 12. Hmm. And none, like there was no romance involved. I mean, he's fucking twelve, you know. And in this movie, he's like the girl next door, him and her. They got this little thing going, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, wow, Hollywood just fucking Hollywooded the shit out of this movie. None of this stuff happened. 
except for you know the NASA suit where he was able to walk around outside. But yeah, mm-hmm. the boy in the plastic bubble. Scott, you remember this movie? Yes, I remember the movie uh, very well. Um, and it was you know those that, those are the days where you know we had four channels and every, you, that was one of the movies that we all talked about in school when it was mm-hmm. done. And it, we all watched it because John Travolta was in it, and so you know we had we had to watch it. And yeah, I remember the ending and it's sad, sad as fuck ending. The ending, all he does is get on a horse and ride away with the girl. He's gonna die. They never do. He never dies, though, Scott. That's what yeah, I thought. You, you know he's gonna die. It's kind of like Shane. You know, he's dead. Yeah, but he doesn't die in this movie, Scott. Basically, he goes outside. He sees the girl of his dreams that he's been wanting to touch and kiss this entire time. They have a little moment by her horse. They get on the horse, and they ride away. And then they play this fucking 1970s John Denver song or whatever the fuck. I remember – and oh, that was terrible, too. I remember looking at my – maybe it's my dad's fault because I go – what happens next? And he said, oh, he probably dies. Get the yeah. yeah, exactly. Because, like, I was talking to my mom, and my mom was like, yeah, the real kid died. I, I looked it up online, and, like, they did kind of like a bone marrow transplant from his, like, uh, sister or something like that. And his body rejected it, and the kid died at 12. And then they used, like, the research from that kid to, like, cure all the kids after him. So, like, nobody has this problem anymore. There's no kids in bubbles. Like, this kid had to be, like, the, the guinea pig sacrifice for the rest of them to live. Mm. So, yeah. But in this movie, dude, he just gets on a horse and rides off with that girl. That's it. There's no death. Unless they fucking jump off a cliff or something on that horse. Like, Thelma and Louise style or something. Because I was just going to say, yeah. Uh... <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, my good pop, bad pop this week is terrible by the sounds of it. <laughs> anyway, uh, Scott, I'll pass it off to you. What do you got? Oh, I got a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, the first thing I want to talk about uh, before I get into this, any spooky stuff is, uh, is anybody else watching Better Call Saul? No, Season I've never four. never seen any Better Call Saul. I watched Breaking Bad and I needed a break. I needed a breaking i need to break bad from it yeah great joke but <laughs> i need to start it i know it's on netflix it's just i'm it's one of those things i'm gonna start but i hear it's better than breaking bad i think it's right up there anybody else watching better call saul rebecca <laughs> no. Philip? No? Yeah. no have you watched any of it i, I haven't I'm the only lo- well, I'm not a loser. This show is a fucking Tupperware, and you should get on this bandwagon as soon as possible. Um, season four is, I mean, every season gets better. It's just like, uh, you know, Breaking Bad, every season got better. This mm-hmm. one gets even better. I, I couldn't believe it. In the episode two, there's a 15-minute spiel where Bob Odenkirk is applying to be a salesman for a copier machine company. And it's some. It's probably one of the best fifteen-minute performances I've ever fucking seen. It's so amazing. We were out at the cigar bar on Friday night, and there were some people I had never met. Um, we were talking about it, and word for word, we were just kind of going through that monologue that he had, trying to sell these guys as to why he should be hired to sell fucking copier machines. It's on a fucking believable. It, it when you have the time, you should totally check it out. Um, they bring in old characters from the show, and you you know you think with most prequels, you've got this 
oh, there's no tension because I know who's going to die and who's going to live and all that kind of stuff. And somehow, some way, they they write in a just a shit ton of tension and a shit ton of really great, great stuff. And I can't highly recommend it enough, you know. Um, and Bob Odenkirk, I know how much you love Bob Odenkirk. You just need to totally get on that glue train. I will. Scott, I know you're busy. No, no, but, it's not even that. It, I really enjoyed the the way that I watched Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad had been completed, okay? It had been finished at least for a year or two. And I jumped on Netflix, and within a three-week span, I knocked out all of Breaking Bad. And I loved my experience of doing that, not having to wait, because I mean, there were literally a year and a half waits between seasons. And yep. so I know that that's not happening with Better Call Saul, but on the flip side, I loved the way that I watched Breaking Bad just in just one huge chunk. I just was able to binge it. And so part of me is kind of like holding back on watching this because I feel like I, that's how I will watch Better Call Saul. So. Yeah, I hear you, but you're miss. I'm just telling you, you're missing out on the water cooler talk. I don't miss out on great. any water cooler water cooler talk at all because, like, everything that I talk about on this show is like nobody, nobody, nobody that I have on really talks about it. And I work alone. I I see the people that I work with once a week. So, you know. I mean, I get it. I get it. I, I guess I could talk to my dad about it. My dad watches Better Call Saul. It's so well, you can talk to me about it if you if you choose to watch it. You can talk to me about it. I I think it's awesome. It's a totally great show. Yeah. I, again, season two, one of the best fifteen minutes of television. I I've, I I can't remember. Oh, I don't doubt being you. More entranced by that. It was it was fucking incredible. And it, when you decide yeah. to watch it, you'll get there. Season four, episode two. Shooty said this is good. Holy shit, it's better than he said it was. Because no, it is. It's that v- good. Vince Gilligan is one of the best showrunners ever, in my opinion. Just from what I've seen with Breaking Bad. Like, a lot of shows do not stick the landing. The final episode of Breaking Bad, I would say that's probably one of the best episodes, final episodes of television ever, if not the best. So When they play that music at the end. Yeah. Um, what's the name of that song? Um it had something to do with the color blue. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah it was absolutely perfect. I, I couldn't have asked for a better ending to a show than uh, than uh, Breaking Bad. Oh, it was so. incredible. It was incredible. And it was, it was such a, I don't know, man, it was such an experience for me that, like, I just didn't feel like I wanted to jump right back into that world. So I kind of, like, took a step back. And so I've been putting it off for the past couple of years watching better call Saul but I I will I mean this is one of those things that I'm not gonna not watch because I fucking loved Breaking Bad it was incredible when you watch the Breaking Bad pilot you can totally tell in that first episode that they were still shopping it to other networks like HBO and Cinemax and stuff like that because what's his name Pinkman Jesse Pinkman jumps out of a woman's window and she's like Uh totally topless like and so I was like, oh, my God, they, yeah, this pilot episode, they were shopping it around. So I'm sure, like, they were looking at HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, um, and they turned it down, you know, which is crazy to me. And AMC was the one that picked it up. So AMC really needed Breaking Bad when they got it because Mad Men was kind of, you know, was Mad, Mad Men was still around, but... 
it was, was winding down. It was winding down, and that's really all yep. they had. And this was like pre like Walking Dead. Now even Walking Dead's not what it used to be, unfortunately. But yeah, so Better Call Saul season four. How many episodes in are they? Um, two. So they're two. only in two. So I, and again, episode two was so fucking amazing. I, I just I didn't need. I put it at the top of the list of things to talk about, hoping that other people had watched it. Awesome. But I'm the only one watching it, which oh, is all right. It's okay. No, you're so judgy. You need to not. You're so judgy with that. Scott. When you get old and you start losing your filter, then you will understand. No, it's, you know, come on. Just let, let you know, let things go a little bit. Relax a little bit. Jesus Christ. I, how long are you on the toilet before you actually have a bowel movement? You're just so tight. I'm trying to remember, but I forgot. So there it is. <laughs> You, no, it's you make. At any rate, uh, the next make, thing. Go ahead. You make me feel bad because I'm not watching this show. It's like <laughs> I will watch it, Scott. I promise Dude, you. Dude, I didn't mean to make you. Hey, listen, I want, your choice. I'm not. Don't feel bad. Watch the show. Done. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> seventy three fucking days to Halloween, or seventy three fucking days till the next day. I can pass something without pain. Uh, at any rate, so I put. Um, I'm starting to gear up for. Uh, scary stuff i've got a bunch of things that uh thrillers and whatnot that uh, you can all watch um i asked um uh a few folks here uh the first one i really want to talk about is uh i I think it's pronounced caliber or it could be calibre i don't know it it's spelled caliber spelled a little bit different on netflix has anybody seen caliber oh they heard of caliber scott you yes. asked me to watch Caliber, and what did I do? I did watched you watch it? it. Yes. Oh, my sweet. God. Talk about it, I, I was just like, if I don't watch this, I'm going to have to listen to this guy piss and moan for the next fucking, oh, my God. So I watched it. <laughs> you did. All right. Rebecca, did you watch it? Not yet. I know you uh, told me about it, but I haven't had time yet. Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, Brian, what, uh, I'll give the synopsis, then I'll give Brian's opinion, yeah. then I'll give my opinion. So, uh, this is directed by a guy, a guy named Matt Palmer. He's from the UK. He's done, done nothing that I recognize. So, um, you know, nothing too big to talk about there, but it does star Jack Loudon. He was in Dunkirk, uh, and Martin McCann. Um, he's, uh, Rehnquist in the Frankenstein Chronicles, and it's basically two, Buddies uh, head up to uh, an isolated Scottish Highlands village for a weekend hunting trip, and something awful happens, and then the nightmare begins. And for me, well, I'll I'll get into my review. Um, It's one of those train wreck of a movies that you just kind of can't stop watching because it just gets worse and worse and worse. So – what did you think, Brian? Yeah, uh, Caliber on Netflix. Is this, uh, this is probably a movie that came out in Ireland and then Netflix probably bought the rights to it is what I'm guessing. Um, uh, you're probably right. And so as I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, yeah, where's this going? Where's this going? And then the hook. And I think yep. I, I honestly, I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm not, this is really just kind of like to get people to watch it. Should I say it, Scott? Because I, I don't know if people are going to watch it if we don't say if it. If you watch the trailer, you figure it out. But the extent of the hook is really awful. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you, I think you could tease the hook. 
without getting too in depth on it. I don't think people sense? will watch it. Honestly, I don't know if people are going to watch it unless you actually kind of like well, give tell them. them what happens. Then Brian, you know, I okay. If you don't want to hear what happens, just just skip ahead uh, right. until we're talking about the next thing. But um, they're out hunting, and uh, his buddy, who doesn't have a hunting license, is using. Uh, this, this gun, he's gonna, he's gonna shoot this deer. And, uh, as he pulls the trigger, the deer moves its head and he shoots a small boy in the temple and kills the boy. Oh my god. So, uh, you know, just a fun hunting trip between two buddies has now turned into a child dying. And so, they are in a remote area where basically it's the area is not policed. And so the people that live in this, in this area basically police their own town and that's how they've done things for years. And so, you know, it's one of those things where do we report this to the authorities and have the authorities come to this town or do we try to cover this up? It's, Scott, once that happened, I, I was I was sucked in, and it's just a downward spiral. And watching these characters kind of like go throughout this movie, and I yeah, I, I tupperware this movie. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and it was totally unexpected as a as a movie coming out on Netflix for me to get this sucked into it. So it was yeah, you're just uh, white knuckles the entire time. Like what, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And it's got it's got Tony Curran in it, and I love yep. that actor. He plays Logan in this movie, and Tony Curran was in uh, that show that I that I really loved on Sci-Fi, which I can't fucking remember the name of it right now off the top of my fucking head. Anyway, but I love Tony Curran. He's played villains and other things. But uh, yeah, Scott, what are your thoughts on this one? Oh man, it's a tupperware all the way. You know, one of the things that I want to make sure that everybody understands is. These guys make every wrong decision about how they're going to deal with this. And it's like this slow, you're right, slow spiral out of control. Like, you know, um, it, just one bad decision after another, after another. And, and it's just, and Rebecca, I could just totally hear Rebecca watching this going like, Oh my God, no. Oh no. Yeah, oh my God, no. That's exactly how I was watching Sounds like, like me oh, watching no. that, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, no. And like the last 20 minutes, I'm like, oh my God, no, this is not happening. Oh fuck. And, and it's just, oh my. And then the end, the last, the last shot in the movie is just so, oh, it just kicks you right in the nuts. Mm -hmm. It's just so great. Um, yeah, I Tupperware it all the way. And that's <laughs> it was one of those things, Brian, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> I'll get to it, Shooty. I got a million things I got to watch. But it's, it was really, really good. I mean, you immediately, yeah. it's an awesome, awesome film. What people got to understand is like I've got one person telling me something to watch, and then I've got like 20, 30 other people on Twitter and Facebook telling me to watch something else. So I try, guys. I really do try to watch everything that you ask me to watch. But this was one that, uh, you know, I had, I had the afternoon off. And so I, I had added caliber to my list and I watched it. I was so fucking pleasantly surprised at how good this movie was. It was, I was trying to like, trying to compare it to any other movie. And it was, I was, I got a little bit of green room out of this one, but not uh -huh. 
just a little bit of green room. It, it, green room was more of a thriller. Um, I don't know if I'd put this in. Th- this is somewhat of a thriller in a way, but um, I don't. It's horror thriller. Yeah, I mean, it's a nightmare. Yeah. These guys go through a. I mean, Im- imagine if you shot a small kid, even if it was on accident. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I. Oh. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> oh man. It, I, yeah, you got to watch Caliber. You really do. It's not uplifting. No. It's not uplifting. No, no, it's you're not having uplifting. having a bad day, don't watch the movie. But yeah, Caliber, it's C-A-L-I-B-R-E is how it's yes. spelled. But yeah. uh, watch Caliber. Yeah, it was a, I appreciate the suggestion because I really did enjoy this movie, Scott. I thought it was really fucking good. Glad you did. I'm glad you did. Um Oh, man, I got I got three more. That's fine. Um, do you want to break s- it up? Let's break it up. I still once? I still have more as well. I, I wanted to okay. start off. I I want to ask everybody: Did you get a chance to see any of Disenchantment on Netflix? It's the new um, uh, animated show from Matt Groening, the uh, creator of The Simpsons and Futurama. I did. I, I saw. I got about halfway through the season. Okay, Scott. I saw the first two episodes. Rebecca. I saw the first two episodes. As All well. right, I finished the entire season today. So, oh, cool! Yeah, huh. so let's talk about Disenchantment on Netflix. Uh, I thought that I had had the synopsis up, basically, uh, and I don't. Uh, so, yeah, I am totally unprepared. But um, you've got uh, our three characters here. You've got Princess Bean, Elfo. Is it Elfo? And then is the demon Lucy? Yes. Yeah. And, That's exactly right. And so you've got Elfo. God damn it. I, I must not have seen the synopsis. I feel like a shithead. I know that uh, Eric Andre plays the little demon in this, that little uh, black demon. Um, I'm trying to think of who the rest of the cast are. I, I, I've got it pulled, pulled up on IMDb if awesome. you want, Thank uh, you. Brian. So uh, we've got Abby Jacobson playing Bean. That's the princess. Uh, Eric Andre plays Lucy. He also plays Pendergrast. Uh, Nat Faxon plays Elfo. Nat Faxon. Uh, Nat Faxon. I love that guy. I think he's hilarious. Uh, we've also got John DiMaggio playing a bunch of characters. And then from there, we get like a lot of like names you'll probably recognize from doing a lot of voiceover work. Tress McNeil, David Herman, Maurice LaMarche. I'm a big fan of, uh, Maurice LaMarche. He was, uh, he was the voice of Brain in Pinky and the Brain, uh, for everyone that watched Animaniacs. Um, I mean, just a ton of people are in this, mm-hmm. but yeah, those are the main characters, uh, there. And then like the, the, the little synopsis in IMDb says, uh, it's the medieval misadventures of a hard drinking princess, her feisty elf and her personal demon. Well, John DiMaggio, he's the, um, the voice of Bender and then in Futurama and then also Jake in, uh, what is it? Oh, that's right. You're uh, absolutely Adventure right. Adventure yes. Time. So. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I finished it today. Honestly, when I first started the, this series, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you had Futurama, which was set in the future. The Simpsons was just basically just like, you know, the family, everybody's familiar with the Simpsons. But Disenchantment is like a, a mystical land with castles and you've got different creatures, elves and gnomes. And you've got, of course, you've got the king who rules with an iron fist and everything. And, and so you're, when I first started this, I'd say with the the first three episodes, I was at a taste it. And as it kept going and they kept diving more into the story, 
I had a lot of fun with this. I'd say the last like three, four episodes, I just, I had a blast with, and I really enjoyed the story on this one. And, um, it really sucked me in. Uh, some of the early episodes, I think people might drop off. I think people might drop off and not give it the full season. Um, because it's, it's, it's really, um, it doesn't reinvent the wheel when you first start watching it. I think it's, for me, it's towards the latter part of the season where I'm like, this is not like The Simpsons. This is not like just like one episode and done and the next episode. It's like we're off doing com- something completely different. This is long form storytelling here. He's telling a story. And I love this. I've fallen in love with the story. I love Eric Andre to begin with. And I love him <laughs> voicing a demon. And uh, I'm going to give this a high taste. I really enjoyed Disenchantment. I think if this is one of those shows that you maybe watch the first two or three episodes, and you're like, ah, I don't know. And then I'm out. I stick with it. It gets really good. Um, Scott, what'd you think? Uh, I'm at that. Uh, I don't know about that phase, so I'll try to stick it out based on your recommendation. It it's not laugh out loud funny, but there are many chuckle worthy moments. You know what I'm saying? So, especially I think about that first episode where the gnomes and the giants were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I chuckled there. That was pretty funny. <laughs> they they uh, and you know what's really interesting is. You know, I I stopped – sadly, I stopped watching um, The Simpsons a a long time ago, and um, there's a lot of – it feels like the storytelling, at least the first two episodes, felt more like Family Guy to me, where they would have a joke and they would go back you know, and have an aside of the joke and then come back, and then the joke would come back back yet around again mm-hmm. sometime later in the episode is, is that how the simpsons are running it now because i i don't remember that they it's were much been, more into a long-form story it's been three or four seasons since i've watched the simpsons like that's one of those like i'll 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 have nostalgia and i'll be like what are the simpsons doing and then i watch it you know and then i'll i you know like i was watching it religiously like from 2010 to like 2015 i was watching every season uh, but I haven't watched it in the past three or four seasons. There's just too much to watch. But yeah, I, dude, I'm right there with you. The first two, three episodes, it's, it's a, it was a taste it for me. It really yeah. was. There, there are some Tupperware episodes in this season though. And like, um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I cannot argue that. And that's what I'm kind of like here to say, like, stick this one out, guys. Give it, give it another shot. Give it another shot. But um, I'm I'm with you. you know, I'll I'll watch a few more. I, it's not like I, I don't know, it's not like I hated it or anything. Yeah. I just I I was maybe just hoping for a little bit more. And there's some things at least in the beginning two episodes that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I love about The Simpsons and I love about Futurama are um they've got they've got a tone to it that is kind of whimsical and fun. I mean, even the Simpsons theme song. And last week you were talking about the, the universal studios fucking ride, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it felt uh, those, uh, I mean, they're, they're trying to do it, but it, it just, I'm just not feeling it yet. Uh, Maybe let me tell I you need this. to just bathe in the water a little bit more before I feel it. Cause I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I yet. really like the music in this. The music is done by Mark Mothersbaugh. He did all the music for Thor Ragnarok. So I'm actually, 
I'm actually on the, I, I think it's really good. And I think it, I think it is the, the more you get into this series, the more you'll appreciate it because the story really does start to unfold. You're really at, in the, I'd say the first four episodes, you're just kind of getting used to the characters and there's a little bit of story here and there. And then like, as the further you get into this season, like it really, uh, it really starts to kind of like open up this world a lot more. It really does. And it feels like it's more of like long form storytelling. And, uh, I can't wait for next season. I, I, like I literally finished the, the 10th episode before we started recording tonight. And, um, Rebecca, what'd you think about Disenchantment? Uh, God. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Halfway through episode two, it was painful. I had a hard time with these first two episodes. I, found the story to be very clunky. Um, I felt like the animation, I mean, the animation was fine. It's, it's that Matt Groening look from like the Simpsons and, and Futurama and, 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 and that's fine. But I felt like there were, the story just didn't grab me. Like the, the premise, I love the premise, right? She's a hard drinking princess who gambles and she just wants to like live her life. And she's got this crazy demon that's part of her life now. And she meets this elf who's like in love with her. And, uh, I love the premise. I'm just having a hard time letting the story wrap me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I felt the jokes didn't make me laugh. Like, yeah, there were moments where I was watching. I was like, Haha, <laughs> well, that's funny. Like, but it didn't, I wanted a little bit more laugh out loud. And I, I, I still like The Simpsons. I don't watch it like regularly, but, um, The Simpsons is like reliable. You know what that humor is. And then I, I was a fan of, of Futurama also, but I, I had a hard time with these first two episodes, but I, you're saying it gets really good and it gets better. I'm not lying. Um, I am, I, I, I know you. I agree with you. When I started the first two episodes, I was ready to tap out and say, you know what? Okay. I, I was too. Like, that's why I stopped at two episodes. Listen, I, I was like, I'm, you know what? I, I'm good. I can get on the episode and I'm going to give it a taste it and say, I may or may not get back to it. But you know what? Like yesterday, I didn't have to start work until like four in the afternoon. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going with it. And I kept going with it. And then all of a sudden, it's like you, the more time you spend with the characters and the more time they get all this fucking bullshit out of the way, the story starts to progress. And the jokes do get funnier. And you do start okay. to actually start to – it takes a while for characters to grow on you. And I, it, it, it is it, – it, 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 for me at least, this took a little bit of time. And I'd say by uh, episodes – Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like then, I'm fully invested, and I'm like, I, I don't know. It mm-hmm, might even take mm-hmm. some people longer. It might even take yeah. you till episode seven. But like, I, I think about, and not that it's, not that this is similar in any way to this other show I'm about to mention, but. I was looking for those same laugh out loud moments, like like when we watched Big Mouth on on Netflix. Like, the, the, and I get yeah, it, it's this, a totally different yeah, premise, and totally, yeah, completely different. But in, in Big Mouth, there were so many laugh out loud, uh, relatable moments. Um, that I mean, I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. Like, I I binged it in a day, um, and with this. 
it just seems so painful. Although I do, I love Eric Andre. To me, he was the standout in in the two episodes that I saw. Um, I loved his voice work here mm-hmm. with with Lucy, yeah. the the demon. I thought for me that that was the standout. Um, I I mean. <sighs> I will go back and I will I will try to finish this because if it if from five on you're saying it's like it's growing on you and you really liked it a lot, I'm happy to give it another shot and see if it'll grow on me as well. But like where I sit right now, I I would have to give it like a low taste. It it just it didn't grab me in these first two episodes. Nope. I I might change it by mm-hmm. by the end, but that's that's how I feel right now. No, I agree. I was like I was I was where you were. I was right. where you were, and I thought to myself, "Let's continue to get this. This is a proven creator. This is I love the voice actors in this, and usually the pilot episode and some of the episodes leading up and some of these shows are just not good until they kind of like figure out what they're doing, and that's what this is. I, I, I that's why I, that's why I kind of like kept with it." And mm-hmm. I, and at first I was like, oh, I'll just have it on the background. But it kept sucking me back in. And there are some Tupperware episodes. There are some, like, high-tasted episodes. And the first few episodes are a little rough for me. I was annoyed within the first five minutes of watching this show. Like, oh, my God, these jokes are so fucking lame. These are, these are dad jokes. What the fuck am I watching? <laughs> and I'm telling you, it gets better. It gets be- I hate saying that though. I feel like, <laughs> like, like, oh, just stick with it. It gets better. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You hate to say I that. I hate saying it's that, but every, it's fucking true in this everything. case. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it gets better. Put yourself through this, you know, like it gets better. I get what you're saying about Big Mouth and I get what you're saying about like Rick and Morty too. I felt like the same way. Like, but yeah. this is a completely different show than like Big Mouth and Rick and Morty. I think like Rick and Morty and Big Ma- uh, Big Mouth, they like grab you with, uh, you know, some of like, uh, you know, Rick and Morty grabs you with not only like uh, some like high concept comedy here, but also with its crudeness. And Big Mouth does the same thing. It like, it we all went through fucking, we can all relate to it. We all went through puberty. And I think like they had a writer's room and the writer's room all sat down and said, what's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you in high school? Right. What's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you about puberty? And we can all relate to going through puberty. And I feel like this kind of show, it takes a little bit longer because they're not starting with something that we can kind of like all relate to from the get go. Yeah. It takes a little I, I, bit. I, yeah. I absolutely like see your point and I totally agree with what you're saying because I, I didn't relate to any of the characters and yeah. maybe if it. it had started out with that same, um, you know, Rick and Morty is a good comparison to this in, in that sense. If it had started out like the way Rick and Morty did, I mm-hmm. might've been more like, Oh, I'm totally down with this because the, the humor is so crazy and off the wall and whatever but it, it's not like that it, it there are chuckle moments um and i guess i'm i'm looking for a bit more than that but um i'll i'll go back to it i will go back to it and i will finish it if i can and and you know i might raise my rating after that no, if i'm wrong if you're like hey if you're like brian it just god damn it what the fuck are you smoking yeah. this is bullshit <laughs> like that's totally fine i feel like it's set up a little bit differently like rick and morty's got to come out like with guns blazing because it is a week-to-week thing and of course it's dan fucking Harmon. um you know and i'm not saying anything against like matt green here but like you know he's been doing this for a long time like he's said a lot over the years i feel like this is just like 
his version of a fairy tale. And it, and this, it takes a little bit to get into the story. It really did. And the thing is, is like, you can binge these episodes. You don't have to wait week to week. So for me, mm-hmm. it was like, honestly, if I would have watched episode one and this would have been like, oh, next week on TBS episode mm-hmm. two, I'd have been like, fuck you. I'm out. Cause I got, right. I got better shit to do. I tried to watch that. What was it? The final, the final trip or whatever the fuck that show was, the alien show on TBS that they kept promoting oh yeah yeah yeah. i know um i know what you're talking about yeah i watched the first episode i was not impressed and so i i bounced and uh a lot of people didn't like that first episode i love the creator of that show though like somebody fucking said like your show sucks i hated it blah 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 and the creator's like hey i'm really um you know, I'm sorry that you didn't like my show. He like responded to this guy in such a nice way. I'm sorry you didn't like my show. Um, I get it's not for everybody, but hey, thanks for watching. Just, just like a chill dude. And like the guy like totally like kind of like just like, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't put up his defenses anymore. He wasn't on the attack anymore. And he was like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I'll watch the second episode now. I'll give it another shot. I was like, wow, this guy, this guy is incredible. I don't, like, I didn't really like that first episode, but I really like the creator for just being such a chill dude and a nice guy. <laughs> so anyway, I'm talking about something completely different. Uh, Philip, what'd you think about Disenchantment? Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as, uh, as Rebecca and Scott. Um, I, I think I lasted a bit longer. I lasted until about episode four or five. Um, and after this discussion, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try and finish the season. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was it was hard for me to connect with the characters. Um, I didn't think it was as funny as well as funny as The Simpsons, or as funny as I think it could have been. Um, I wasn't really relating to anything. Nothing was really grabbing me. And now it makes sense that you said that. It doesn't get you until like the fifth or sixth, whichever yeah. episode you said. Yeah. Cause that was pretty much right after I dropped off because I wasn't. Yeah. Um, I get it. Uh, um, so yeah, I'm, I'll just say low tasted for now, but I'm also going to, I'm going to finish it out after this, after having had this discussion. Uh, I'm going to finish it out. Good. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I, I totally get where you guys are coming from. I think I, I think I just kind of like really started to enjoy the story. I, I wasn't looking for those laughs. Sometimes the laughs later on in the season did kind of sneak up on me. Um, but I was more kind of like, um, into the story and I may be completely off base here. You guys may finish this and be like, what the fuck was he talking about? This is garbage. But I, at the end of the day, um, I, I think it, I think the season got progressively better. I think it just took a little bit of time to get into it, unfortunately. So, you know, I wish it would have just grabbed me from episode one. I was, I was done. After two episodes, I'm like, fuck this shit. I think I went on and I like watched something else. What did I watch? I don't know. I think I, maybe I watched Caliber or something like that. I was that, just going to say you watched Calibre. <laughs> Calibre. I watched Calibre. <laughs> I watched Chupacabra. I was watching something completely different. You know what I mean? I was not watching this. I was like, I'm not into this. But then I just keep coming back to it. I kept coming back to it, you know? 
I kept, I guess it was like a form of abuse. You know, maybe I didn't like myself that day. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck it. Yeah, Brian, you're a piece of shit. Watch, watch this enchantment. You fucking piece of shit. I was choking myself, you know? I was like punching my, I was like cutting myself and shit. I'm sorry. If people are out there doing that, stop it right away. There's numbers you can call people that can help you. Don't do that. That's fucked up. Not a laughing matter. But anyway, I was putting myself through some torture on those first few episodes watching this, watching this, but I'm like, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. And yeah, it's, cr- I don't know. I, now I'm dying to know once you guys finish this, if you're going to be like, Brian was right or Brian was full of shit. <laughs> I'm dying to know at this point. Like, was it just me? Like, you know what I mean? Or <laughs> am, I, uh-huh. am I just like a foam faced idiot that just like, I spend enough time with anything. I like it, you know, like, you know, so anyway, yeah, disenchantment on Netflix. I, it looks like I'm the only like supporter of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued. Uh, if you guys do continue with the show, like what your thoughts are. And so like, let me know. And then I will, uh, if you die, if you guys do continue, uh, that's cool. If you don't, whatever, fuck it. But let me know, and then like on next next week's show, I'll give everybody an update as to like where you are on yeah, it. Definitely. Cool. Uh, Rebecca, got a question for you. Yo, did you watch Mile Twenty Two? I did. Okay. Can we talk about? Did anybody else watch Mile Twenty Two? Mark Wahlberg. No. My movie pass wasn't working, so you know. Oh, shocking, Scott. <laughs> I am now a member of a list. Whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, so, so now you're just punching people out of the way as you walk into the theater? Hey, list, motherfucker, get out of my way. I'm fucking, I'm carrying a beer and I've got my fucking trousers down and I've got, I'm just, I'm free balling it and pissing in the lobby. A-list bitches, whoop, whoop, pissing all over the fucking place. I'm like a madman. Um, but yeah, I still, I still have my movie pass until August 23rd. Uh, yeah, movie pass, what they did is they, uh, re-enrolled me in the service, unbeknownst to me. And, motherfuckers. Uh, so here, yeah. Joe, Joe Vitale, Joe Vitale sent me a message and he said, you know what I did? He said, I took, uh, a gift card, a Visa gift card or an American Express gift card or whatever the fuck. And, uh, that had no money left on it. And I used that for my payment form. So even on the day, <laughs> even on the day when they try to take the money out, they won't be able to take it out, even if they re-enroll me. So I took, I took that too. I had a, a an Amex. I had an American Express gift card that I had used. And I, I went into the billing in the app and I changed it to this zeroed out American Express gift card. And so even on the 23rd, when they try to renew me, they ain't going to get shit out of that fucking card. So if anybody else is experienced or worried about this, uh, you can try to do the same thing as well. So That is a great idea. I yeah. heard they're going to uh, dilute their stock even more. Uh, that's, it's, the shareholders are suing them, correct? Yeah, they are. That's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. I hear they have like maybe three months left. The thing is, it's like, when I first started on Movie Pass, guys, five years ago, uh, I paid thirty bucks a month, and in different markets, you paid more. So if you're in New York City, you might pay forty-five to fifty. But here in the mid- Midwest, I was paying thirty dollars a month, and I was able to see a movie a day, and um, it was fantastic. And I, I mean, 
And then Helios and Mathis took over, did this 995, and it just went to shit. What's crazy about this is though A-List, I think, is going to thrive. They've got close to 300,000 subscribers now. Uh, Alamo Drafthouse is talking about doing their own kind of like A-List slash movie pass thing. Uh, I think everybody's going to follow suit. What's what, what happened? This could have been a great thing, like with the movie pass because they were going to use like the data and stuff like that. What movie pass didn't count on was that AMC and other theaters were wanting to do their own thing with this too. They thought that like theaters would, would help support them. And so that's where this all kind of fell apart. They had no idea that they would not get the theater support. Well, I mean, they wanted to get a cut of concessions, right? Hey, I'm bringing people to your theater. Can yeah. I get a cut of concessions? Sure. Well, that's my cash cow. I ain't giving you any of that. Forget that. No way. You know? So the thing that I will say about Movie Pass, and then I'm, I want to hear what you guys are going to say about Mile 22, yeah. is I do believe it's kind of, you know, they, they're, they're revolutionizing the industry. And they gave it a nice little bump there, and I think that they re- the industry will never be the same again, which is a good thing. They're just not going to be able to survive to reap the rewards of what they started. You know, uh, you know, as a market disruptor, um, that's what you bet on, right? We're we're going to bet on burning through a lot of cash, changing the market, hanging on, and then becoming something big. I mean, if you really think about it, that's how Amazon started. Amazon mm-hmm. was a market, dis, you know, disruptor. We're going to go ahead and ship things to people's houses. Well, no one will do that. They got to go out and they got to, they got to look at it. They got to feel it. They got to touch it. They don't even have, they don't even have a profit margin for the next 10 years. And now everybody's, you know, getting on their knees in front of Amazon nowadays and, and wanting their business and whatnot. So, um, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, for me, for me, the biggest thing is you don't treat your consumers the way that they've treated their consumers over the last 30 days and expect to stay in business. That's, that's just ridiculous. No, they, they didn't. I mean, they should have seen this coming. It, it's the thing is they thought that the theaters would back them up and they also thought the studios would back them up. There's been one studio, very small studio that's backed them. Every other studio has not jumped on. So, you know, AMC really has nothing to lose because it's their theaters and it's their plan. Um, Amazon is actually thinking about their Amazon is actually trying to buy landmark cinemas. So what awesome. Land, so if Amazon Studios buys Landmark, then you're going to be able to, I mean, at that point, will, will your Amazon Prime actually link up to these theaters? Like, will you, you know what I mean? For like, or like an extra five to $10 charge, would you be able to use your Amazon Prime subscription to use that to go to the, to the movies as well as have streaming content at home and, be able to purchase things. I mean, it's Amazon's taking over at this point. It's insane. And Landmark's got a shit ton of theaters throughout the country. So yeah, we sure. shall see. Mile 22. Uh, did somebody have something to say there? Nope. Apparently not. All right. Fuck it. Mile 22. Uh, in a visceral modern thriller uh, from the director of Lone Survivor, Mark Wahlberg stars as James Silva, an operative of the CIA's most highly prized and least understood unit, aided by top 
secret tactical command team, Silver must retrieve and transport an asset who holds life-threatening information to Mile 22 for extraction before the enemy closes in. It's directed by Peter Berg, who directed Very Bad Things, which I talked about last week. Uh, he also directed Lone Survivor, Friday Night Lights, the movie. He directed some episodes of uh, Friday Night Lights as well, the TV show, and uh, The Leftovers on HBO. I love Peter Berg. I think he's a fantastic director. Uh, this movie stars Mark Wahlberg, Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie in The Walking Dead, Eco Uwes from the Raid films, John Malkovich, the great John Malkovich, and uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, Rebecca, uh, I hated this fucking movie. Oh, good. Me too. <laughs> this movie... <laughs> This movie, like, it's called Mile 22. I was out by Mile 2. I was, like, done after the second mile of this movie. Movie starts off really cool in that house and shit and, like, that whole operation that's going down. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little hectic and a little manic and a little crazy. But as soon as that scene ends and we get into this, everybody is so annoying in this movie Everybody in this movie is so annoying except for Eco UAs and John Malkovich. Every other fucking character in this movie, Mark Wahlberg's character, he talks so fast. He's constantly snapping that wristband. Oh my God. I wanted to get on a plane and fly to LA or wherever the fuck he lives. And I wanted to punch him right in the face and tell him, stop snapping the rubber band. It was so annoying. The whole movie, he's snapping that goddamn rubber band. That's what you give. Shit like that. Hold on. Shit like that is like what you give your villain in a movie to do. Uh, This is a classic. Like in movies, they'll have like a villain like chewing gum and like just chomping on it. You can hear their lips smacking. They'll do stuff like make noises with their mouth. Mm -hmm. Villains typically do annoying shit. When you have your main character who's supposed to be, like, your hero constantly snapping this, like, it's like one of those Lance Armstrong yellow rubber band fucking wristbands, you know, that they had years ago. And he's constantly snapping the fucking thing. And he's he's a fast talker. He's talking so, a mile a fucking minute, a mile 22 a minute. And it's just ridiculous. (laughs) And then... And then, like, they'll throw in other things. Like, the story is actually pretty fucking amazing if they would have just slown it down and made it... And made it not so goddamn manic and all over the place. Like, Lauren Cohen, she's got, like, this whole other side story with her family and her not being able to see her daughter and her screaming and yelling at her fucking husband, who's actually Peter Berg, the director. And, like, she's throwing that phone. And then Mark Wahlberg is, like, being interrogated in certain scenes and you don't know when that scene's taking place. And it's just, this movie, it's all, it's, everybody talks so fast. And they're just all over the place. It like it it takes you out of the experience. The only parts that I liked in this movie, Rebecca, I thought some of the action was pretty amazing. Some of it was a little hard to follow, but Eco Uas was absolutely fantastic in this film. His mm-hmm. action never misses. I love this guy from the Raid films. Uh, I think Eco Uas is just a tremendous fucking talent. Um, uh, Ronda Rousey sucked. She was terrible. 
Um, Lauren well, Cohen. Well, they didn't give her anything to do. She's not an actor, Rebecca. I, I know she's not an actor, but this is my point. You put Ronda Rousey in a film and you don't give her a, a hand-to-hand fight scene with somebody? What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you do that? I'm sick Why of, I'm, wouldn't you do that? Well, I'm sick of Hollywood trying to give her roles and she's not any good at acting. I'm sorry. And, and the problem here too is Lauren Cohen is a great actor. I love her. And she sucks in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. So you give about somebody who's a great actor in my opinion. The shitty role where she's, she's talking as fast as Mark Wahlberg in some of these scenes. And then the, I don't know, Ronda Rousey, like, yeah, I, I didn't like her in Expendables. Um, she was terrible in this movie. I don't know. It's a failed experiment. I don't think she can act. I don't think she's any good. But yeah, give her an action scene. Give her a scene where she can punch somebody at least. Give her like what people know that, what she's known for. I agree yeah. with that. I agree with I, that. But on the flip I, side, like, you don't, Peter Berg, in my opinion, is a really good director. And you don't, I don't, I don't, you just can't throw Ronda Rousey into a Peter Berg movie and expect it to be any good. Well, yeah, I feel like everybody, I felt like this movie was trying to be a lot of different things. Like this movie was trying to be like a Mission Impossible movie. And then it was almost trying to be a, a, a Jason Bourne film, like with Mark Wahlberg's character. Yeah. And then... It it tried to be um, that that Bruce Willis movie, Sixteen Blocks, um, which is a much better movie about escorting a prisoner from point A to point B. It, it tried to be all of those movies, um, and it wasn't any of those movies. It was absolutely atrocious. I I will echo everything you said. Mark Wahlberg, he just starts rattling off things like he just starts talking and he doesn't stop. They do, they do a terrible job at explaining this Overwatch program. I agree. Absolutely terrible job of yeah. explaining this Overwatch program, which honestly, like, if you, you know, if you can kind of like break down what Overwatch is, it's kind of, kind of, it's kind of cool. But this movie, I'm not kidding you guys. I am not kidding you. If you watch this movie, it is so manic and so fast talking. If you are not listening intently, you'll miss something. And it's just, it's hard to follow. This movie is incredibly hard to follow. And it doesn't help when you don't have actors that can fucking get this shit across. Mark Wahlberg is fine in other movies. This role was not made for him. This was made for somebody else. He is not capable of doing this performance. And I know that these two have worked together in three other films this is their fourth collaboration and it worked in lone survivor lone survivor is a fucking really good movie it did not work here this was terrible this is a toss it oh i i also tossed this movie it's absolutely terrible like halfway through i turned to my friend and i I was like what's happening where where are they what are they doing And, and she was like I have no idea. I, I don't know what's happening. And I agree. They they presented a lot of really interesting stuff about Overwatch, mm-hmm. which that could have been the movie right there because you've got John Malkovich in, in in as like the head of this Overwatch. And I like the concept, right? You got this. You've got two parts to this team. You've got Overwatch um, headed by John Malkovich, and he's got like a team of like hackers. 
um, who are basically running the show. And then you've got the team of like the guys who do the dirty work. And there are two separate locations. And uh, that way that, you know, if one part is compromised, the other part can still keep going. I thought that was a great concept. I love the concept of having to transport uh, the prisoner from point A to point B, but it was so badly executed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's terrible. I, I toss this movie. Also, save your money. Don't go see it. No, don't go see it. It's an IMAX. If you see this in IMAX, I'm sorry you wasted your time and you wasted your money. I mean, it, it. I mean, this should be a simple movie to make. You've got this guy who basically knows the code to unlock this kind of like. USB drive that has the yeah. locations of like this missing chemical that they're going to use to basically, uh, these, these radioactive bombs that they're going to be setting off in these different locations. He's going to give you the code to get into that as long as you get him to, uh, a flight to America. So that's basically you're transporting eco UAs to this plane so he can board the plane, give them the code and then go to America. It should be a simple story. There's just all these other things going on, like Lauren Cohen and her daughter and her ex-husband. And that whole thing is really weird. Uh, Mark Wahlberg talking like a mile a minute. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's crazy. And you know, some eco UA's fighting is amazing. I love that scene where he's, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, where his, his fight scenes yeah. are incredible. And like where he's in the, they have like doing that, um, like that, uh, uh, examination in, in like the, the hospital part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and these two guys come in like to assassinate him and he's handcuffed to the bed and he still is able to fight these guys off. Like, I, Super cool. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff, especially with him fighting. And there's good there's good ideas in this movie, but it's just so badly executed. And you're right, when they're talking to Mark Wahlberg in the room in, in like that, that interrogation room, I was like, is this happening after, I guess? But why is the, is there an inquiry? Like, what's what's that about? I didn't and figure that. I didn't figure they, that shit out until like way late in the movie. Yeah, like I, I mean, there was a lot of things that were presented but not explained well. Like even the whole thing about trying to get like the there was like a job that they were supposed to stop and he gave them bad information the explanation of what they were trying to get was what i mean they said it so quickly it like went over my head i didn't understand it so and then i wasn't sure where they were like were, were they in indonesia is that where they were i would imagine that they were in indonesia that's where eco is. that's where he's actually from like I feel like they never told me where this embassy was. Right. But then I'm like, I, I get, guess yeah. it's Indonesia. Yeah, I think I it guess? is. I think it's. I think it's in <laughs> Indonesia because, like, that's. I'm so I had to put that together by like the opening credits, like when they were showing the different studios. One of the studios was the same Indonesian studio that they used for the raid films. So, like, I'm having okay. to piece that together at the beginning of the movie. Like, yeah, I think they're in Indonesia. I love Peter Berg. Don't get me wrong. Like, this guy is a talented director and a talented actor. This movie just had, like, all the wrong pieces 
in it. Like Mark Wahlberg should not be playing this character. Um, Ronda Rousey should not be cast in this role. And if you do cast her in this role, Rebecca, you're right. Basically lend to her strengths because she's not, I mean, she's not where the rock is right now. Like the rock has been doing this for 15 years. Like go back to like the rundown and maybe even earlier stuff. Like it took the rock a long time to get where he is now. And I mean, we can't just expect Ronda Rousey to be like this amazing actor. After I I, I totally agree with you. Like the rock, when you watch his early stuff, Scorpion King, Scorpion King, I was going to say, bring up Scorpion King. it's painful. It's absolutely painful to watch it. And, and now, now, granted, he comes from a different um, there's medium. Th- there's theatrics in wrestling. Exactly. There is a lot of theatrics in wrestling that is not employed in MMA fighting. But I feel like, like even though it was a very small role, uh, Ronda Rousey was in a Fast and the Furious movie, and it's like. <laughs> In that movie, she plays a bodyguard and the meat of her scene, like the most time she's on screen is because she's fighting somebody. That's her strength. She's wearing a badass red dress and, and she rips it or something like up to her thigh uh, and she's kicking people like that's what you do with Ronda Rousey. You give her that role to play and Hopefully one day, like if she can work on her acting, maybe she will be where the rock is now or, or she'll find her own way, but it's just, and then like, I, like the whole twist in the movie, I couldn't care less about that. Twist. <laughs> oh my God. I laughed. I laughed. I was like, Oh, I fuck you. I thought it was so stupid. The twist in this movie was so dumb because it was never explained how they figured out any of this. It was just so dumb. It was so stupid. This movie is stupid, and I feel dumber for having watched it. Don't watch it. Yeah. Don't watch it. We, it's a miss, guys. This is a miss. If you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna watch it, wait till it comes out on Cinemax or HBO or whatever. Cause like this is, unless you have like a movie pass that is working and you have really nothing, no other choice because movie pass is really limiting us to uh, maybe one or two movies unless you have e-ticketing available. Um, but yeah, this, this was a miss. I, I wanted to support Eco Uways and I wanted to support Peter Berg because I, I love the director. I love Eco Uways. I'm, I'm big. Fa- I love Lauren Cohen. I'm, I'm a big fan of hers. And, uh, I wanted to support this movie. And I was after I'd say 15 minutes in, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I, know, I, I was, <laughs> and there were people talking in my theater and I wasn't even mad at them. The guy next. <laughs> The guy next to me was texting and I wanted to be like, yo, what's going on? Like something happening? Is there a party later? Like I could care less. Rebecca, Rebecca, (laughs) do you remember remember the part? And I'm not going to, this is not really a spoiler, but remember the part where I think Eco Ua says something like, say hello to your mother mother for me. Do you remember the Mark Wahlberg sketch with Adam? It was Andy Samberg. Yes. Yes. Say hi to you. Hey, chicken. A lot of people want to eat you. I just want to be your friend. <laughs> do you think that that do you think that that was the director and the writer like an inside joke? Intentional, one hundred percent intentional. There is no way that they made a Mark Wahlberg movie and did not put that in intentionally. Say how do you mom that for me? Had to have been done. Say how do you mom for me? Yeah, it had to be. Yeah. Hey, so how do you mom for me? 
from the Saturday Night Lights. Yeah, they had to be. All right, all right. Guys, I know this is – guys, I'll be honest with you. Um, yeah, don't watch Mile 22. We've got a lot of good pop, bad pop this week. And the reason is there was not a lot of news that came out this week. It's August. It's News is really slow. So we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with more good pop, bad pop because we haven't even heard. Uh, Scott, you got a shit fuck ton more. And Philip, we got to hear from you. Uh, Rebecca, yep. shit. Rebecca, you haven't even gotten into yours. That's true. Holy fuck. We got a, I still got more. So this is crazy. This is like extended good pop, bad pop. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. back uh yeah uh i know god damn it we've got to talk to philip and rebecca scott you got more i got more this is just extended good pop bad pop so rebecca i'm gonna go with you what do you got all righty so two things that i'm going to talk about just really briefly since you guys talked about it last week um i did see the meg uh in imax and um Absolutely a high taste it. I loved that movie. It was so much fun. Um, if you can see it in IMAX, I absolutely agree. See it in IMAX. Um, it's worth it. It's, uh, I love that it's Jason Statham, that goddamn idiot who figures it out right away that this is Megalodon. I love that. There's this scene, and it's not a spoiler, but he's, you know, he's in his little sub and he's gonna, going on this rescue mission and you know, here comes the Meg and um everybody's like, oh my God, what is that? We have no clue what's happening. And he's like, it's Megalodon. Like he just knows. And I, I, that happened. I laughed out loud, so loud in the theater because I just loved that he was the one who knew what it was. I want, um, I, I wish the title of the movie was what you said. Here comes the Meg. Yeah. <laughs> here comes the Meg. I'm telling you it. This movie is so much fun. Um, yeah, it's absolutely silly, but if you enjoy these like silly-ish movies, absolutely go see it. I thought the little girl almost stole the movie. She was adorable. She was great in this. Um, I mean, it's 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 Jason Statham. And they should have they should have had a round the Rousey punch the shark a couple times, right? Dude, I, I would have paid extra if that was in the movie. Right? Like I would have. I know. I mean, just hey, don't say anything, but just punch him a couple just times. This, you know, I want you to I want you to spin kick this shark in the face a couple of times. Like, you know, hey, do you know what uh -huh. the ending of the book is? It's completely different than this movie. No, I had no idea what the ending of the book is. Jason Statham gets no, the character of uh, what is his name? Jonas whatever. Yeah. I mm -hmm. don't know. One of the Jonas brothers. He's uh <laughs> gets swallowed by this shark, goes inside of the body 
and cuts the fucking heart out from the inside of the shark <laughs> and then has to cut himself out of the shark to escape. Are I, you being serious right now? I am now? being 100% serious right now. Dude, if they do not put that in the sequel, I'm rioting. That needs to – I need <laughs> to see that on the big screen. I need to see this on the big screen. Uh, wow. Yeah, but I don't know. You can't do that in a PG-13 movie, can you? I don't know if you could show – like that's bloody, right? Like a B. Yeah. Like they a, might be- I want my rated R Meg. I hope they give us an unrated version. I want it. I want to see Rain Wilson get chewed up in little pieces. Great. <laughs> he was great in that. I, he I was great, but I wanted it. That was one thing. I mean, I wanted more blood. It would have been, in my humble opinion, it would have been a Tupperware if there were more blood. But, and yeah, just like you mentioned last week, I mean, how many kids are in your theater? Rebecca? A lot of kids, man. Oh, There's a lot of kids. A lot. Oh, there were a, a lot. lot of kids. Yeah, there Holy were a lot shit. of kids in the theater. Yeah, I think the parents were offering them up as a sacrifice to the Meg. <laughs> they might have been. Uh, what else you got, Rebecca? Um, Greg talked about this last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, I watched the first episode of Insatiable on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I get what they're trying to do with this show. Like, I get it. This is a show that wants to be a dark comedy. Um, it wants to be a dark comedy really badly, but it's not a dark comedy. Um, I didn't find any of the jokes funny and I really, really, really dislike the message they are sending to young girls and young women who are overweight, uh, that if they just stop eating so much, then they'll get skinny and they'll be popular. And I really fucking hate that. And I get that it's presented in a quote unquote comedic way. It's not, that's not over my head. I get it, but I don't like. Now, I, I'll be honest with you. For me, this is a toss it. I'm not going to watch past the first episode. If someone does watch it and says, you know, by the end, it really comes around and it sells a different story and it's, it's like, she learns something. Maybe that's what's going to happen. But I'm just not impulsed to watch any more of this because I, I really think that they are, at least in this first episode, I think they're sending the wrong message here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, I think Greg gave it a low taste. It um, if I recall, um, I, I I toss it. I I don't think it's any good. I I think if it were more, if the if there was a if it was darker in the darker comedy, I think I would have been able to appreciate it more, but it's not enough for me to come back and watch it. And everybody is, and then there's a whole subplot about pageants and, and I, I just know it, it's not for me. And I really, again, I dislike the message they're sending hmm. I'm to young to, girls and women. I got to watch this now. Yeah, no, I think you should. I, I think I, I would be interested to hear what you say, because maybe you would watch it and you'd be able to see past what I can't get past and be able to find those dark comedic, moments you know what i mean and like yeah. you might be able to have a different appreciation for yeah, it than I, don't I do i don't know i'm gonna have to watch it because sometimes like it, it seems like a show when it when it first starts out when it tries to be edgy like this it feels like yeah it's supporting like what you're saying but like as it goes on you kind of realize that they're not supporting that i don't know it i, I gotta see the arc of the character where they yeah, take the character I know. and like 
there's a part of me that says that too. There's absolutely a part of me that says, Rebecca, don't stop here. Watch the rest of the show and see where the character arc goes. But it's so grating to me. It's so shallow and sure. vapid. Everybody is shallow and vapid in this show. Um, it, it, I can't watch more. And I, if you can, if you can finish it, I would love to hear what you think about it. I love to hear her story arc from your point of view. And like, if you think that there is a more positive message toward the end, cause there very may well be, but I just, I'm not impulsed to watch more of this. Hey, Rebecca, why is it called insatiable? It's called insatiable because both the main character and the guy that she meets who's a lawyer, they're both insatiable for different things in different ways. So insatiable refers firstly to her insatiable hunger because she's always eating. That's why yep. she's fat because it's so fucking easy like that, right? Just stop eating everybody and then you'll be skinny. Like that's the message in the first show and it fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Um so, and then once she be, does become skinny and pretty, and now suddenly people want to pay attention to her, she becomes insatiable for revenge against everybody that's done her wrong and said a mean thing to her. Um, and then the lawyer that she, uh, it, um, in the first episode, she's involved in a court case and the lawyer who's representing her, he part-time coaches young girls, uh, like, um, like teenage girls in beauty pageants. And he's insatiable to win because in this town, for some reason, the prosecution attorney or the DA also does this. He also coaches teenage girls in pageants. I don't know what world they're living in. And that guy always wins. And so the defense lawyer is like determined to beat this guy. So he's insatiable to win. So that's what the title refers to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean – this this show touches on a lot of topics that have a very personal feeling for me, obviously. And so it's like that might be why I have a hard time seeing past it to find the dark. I like a good dark comedy. I like dark humor, but it's not enough of it in this for me to keep watching. Okay. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so, I, I, my curiosity is peaked, though. What were you yeah. saying, Scott? I was going to say, so Rebecca, they're saying – if I just stop eating, I'll lose weight. Yeah. In the first episode, she gets into a fight. Um, this like homeless guy um, sees her sitting outside like the 7-Eleven type store and she's eating a candy bar, right? Because that's what fat people do all day, right? Just eat. And he says to her, I want your candy bar. And she's like, no, you can't have it. And he makes some fat joke to her and she like – has enough, like, it, it, it just, it's like, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, and she punches this guy in the face. And he comes back, and he punches her in the face, to the point that he broke, he, he breaks her jaw. And so her jaw is wired shut for, like, six weeks. And she can only have a liquid diet, and now she's skinny after six weeks of not being able to eat solid foods. And, yeah, that's, um, yeah. That's what okay, that. All right, so, I, I'm just taking notes here. Right, liquid. No, no. Diet, <laughs> six. Three, eight, eight, yeah. Six, no, eight. I mean, got it. Okay, yeah, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, yeah, it's like that. That message in that first 
first episode. And I, my gut says that probably by the end, it's going to be a real reversal and she's going to learn a lesson and there's going to be a story arc and she's going to grow as a person. I'm sure that that's going to happen. Um, but it's just, I so was upset by that opening sh- episode. I just, I, I'm not impulsed to watch more. I'm just not. So no, yeah, I, if for I for me it. it's a, it's a it's a toss it. I get it. I'll, I'm gonna watch this now. Yeah, I think I, I I think you should. I think yeah. I mean, like check it out, right? So, yeah. um, because I think you might be able to look at it a little bit more, um, objectively than I can. I'll check it out. Uh, I'll check yeah. It out. yeah. Um, I have a couple more things, but you tell me if you want to pass it off to somebody else. Uh, let's uh let's pass it off to Philip real real quick. Philip, what do you got, man? All right. Philip. All right. Okay, let's not pass it off to Philip. Let's go right back he's, to Rebecca. He's having some birthday cake. He'll be right back. I'm back. Oh, there okay. You see, I told you. Just reestablish the connection. Okay. What, uh, what do you got for good pop, bad pop, man? Okay. <clears throat> Hopefully I won't cut out this time. Uh, so I watched the Netflix movie The Titan with uh, Sam Worthington and Tom Wilkinson. Um, anyone hear of it? I haven't even heard of that. Mm, nope. Nope. Okay, okay. Got a quick uh, plot synopsis. Um, in the year 2048, an Earth overpopulated and ridden <clears> – <throat> excuse me, sorry <clears> – <throat> An Earth overpopulated and ridden by violent conflict, scientists are looking to Saturn's moon of Titan as a new home for humanity. Spearheaded by a professor and a war pilot who survived for three days in the Syrian desert without food or water, is chosen to be a part of an experiment that forces humans to adapt to the surface of Titan. Uh, due to oh, I'm sorry. Philip, I, I did see this movie a while ago. I'm sorry. You, you're reading the synopsis totally jogged my memory. I did see this a while ago. Yeah. Well, well let me ask you, what did you think of it? Oh, um, interesting concept, but not great execution. Exactly um, it. Yeah. Great yeah. concept, poorly executed. So <clears throat> the whole thing is that the, they figured instead of terraforming Titan, what if we could kickstart a forced evolution that would change our bodies so that we can comfortably live on the surface of Titan without needing any biospheres, without needing any spacesuits? We can breathe the nitrogen. We can swim with fins and all that stuff. So at that point in the movie, it's just the genetic testing. So they test a, uh, a few like Navy SEALs um, and volunteers. And as you can imagine, their bodies go through changes that make them look more alien by the end of it. And I thought it was going to be something that like would make us question the nature of what it is to be human. Um and I thought that's where it was going because you you had other soldiers in the project who were acting more animal-like and less human as the as the testing progressed. But that potential plot thread was never picked up again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think uh, I've never realized so much how shitty an actor Sam Worthington is. <laughs> I I was fine in Avatar, and I was fine in Terminator Salvation. With this one, I just could not stand him. Um, and he becomes basically he's he he's evolved into an alien by the end of it. And he looks like a cross between the Navi from Avatar and Dren from Splice. Yeah, that's, that? a, that's a really good comparison. I, I will agree with you on that one. He's got like the cat eyes and cat nose, but he's all white and hairless. And apparently his genitals fell off, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he's like naked at the end. And it's like... Yeah, and- uh, fly. So, and he fly. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, you know what, Phil? I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be an interesting science fiction story, and and it the the potential is there for it, but the execution of it um, just wasn't good. Uh, the acting was so so. Um, yeah, it was just a very sort of meh movie. Like it, it wasn't great. And the, the concept is interesting enough. I am hoping that someone else at some point in the future picks it up and does a better job with it because it's such a great question of instead of trying to terraform an entire planet or in this case moon, instead of working on a world level, what if we were able to trigger adaptations in our own body so that we wouldn't have to terraform Mm-hmm. Ah, fuck I, that. I don't want to mutate myself I, so I can live somewhere. You know what I uh, mean? That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to mutate myself so I can live somewhere. Like, oh yeah, yeah. you can move into this apartment, but you've got to, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a you're gonna have seventeen nipples on your back. Fuck you. I don't. <laughs> no. No. We're done. Well, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll live somewhere else. I don't. I don't need an additional seventeen nipples on my back. Fuck you. <laughs> well, the thing is that it, this was supposed to be a test so that they could evolve all humans. And at the very end, I'm not even going to go into spoilers because it's not really a spoiler. At the end, when he's on Titan, he's all by himself. So you have to wonder what the hell are they expecting him to do on Titan all by himself? Yeah, again, it was like – also, too, what what struck me as being very odd was – so this is like a government project to like mutate people, people to be able like to breathe the atmosphere on Titan, to be able yeah. to see on Titan. And every time something happens, like when there's like a physical mutation, everybody acts like they had no clue that this was going to happen. I, I, I was so confused. Well, nobody said anything about this. Um, it's the entire <laughs> point of the project. What no. did you think was going to happen? Like, that part of it made no sense to me whatsoever why people kept getting upset when the mutation would happen. It, it was ve- like, again, good idea, but just really poorly executed and ugh, just just so blah. Yeah. And I thought it was I thought there was also going to be that <clears throat> like the people involved because it's not just Sam Worthington. There were several other other soldiers who were involved in this government project. 
And I thought it would also explore their isolation that they were, that they felt less human, like they were losing their identity. Mm-hmm. And, and then like weighing the pros and cons of like, what would be, why would we want to survive if we have to forfeit our humanity to do so? Um, but this didn't do any of that. And yeah. it, it, even well acted, it, it's like you could say, well, at least it was interesting action, at least you know, good performances like there was <clears throat> I think the only plus for this movie was that it was just a really great idea and that's it. So um I mean I would have to say toss it. Yeah, I think I'm at uh, gosh. I think when I first watched it I gave it a low taste it. Um but I'm kind of leaning towards tossing it as well at this point because talking it over with you again, I'm just like there's like not much redeeming value yeah. in this movie, unfortunately. So yeah, I, I'm with you, Philip. I, I would also toss this movie. It's 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 a shame because yeah. it, it 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 could have been a really interesting movie. So Yeah. And that's... I mean Netflix is really getting a reputation for making serious shit. And I thought, okay, so this is, I'm, I'm in for, uh, I'm in for something. And it, it was, um, it, it was about as moving as the Cloverfield paradox. I'll put it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are shitting on the Cloverfield paradox. That was a, <laughs> that was a fun B movie. Jesus Christ. It was a fun B movie. You act like it's got to fucking reinvent the goddamn wheel. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, not, not everything's got to be a rival people or fucking 2001 a space odyssey jesus christ cloverfield paradox was fun i will say that this wasn't fun no it wasn't i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna sit back and let people shit on cloverfield paradox i don't think it should be a cloverfield movie but on the flip side i enjoyed the film i'm gonna give it a high taste Mm -hmm. fuck you anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's just my thoughts. Anyway, um, yeah, it just reminded me of a silly fucking uh, beast movie, and it, it, you know, I had a, it was better than life. Life was garbage. That Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal yeah, movie, with what we thought was the Venom prequel. I just don't think that Cloverfield Paradox should have been in the Cloverfield universe. No, no. Well, so. I mean, originally it wasn't. Should have stayed that way. Uh, so that was the, it's called The Titan on Netflix? Yeah. Alright, The Titan on Netflix. Uh, Scott, what else you got? Oh my goodness. Um, this just dropped I, not too long ago on Netflix, so I had to check it out. Uh, it's called Emily. Anybody seen Emily? No. Why not? Nope. So, um, this is directed by, uh, Michael Thielen. Um, stars Sarah, uh, Bollinger, I think. She was in, um, Counterpart. She was Anna. Um, she's also Jade in, uh, Into the Badlands. Uh, it also stars some, uh, really bratty kids. Um, you know, Mick G made a movie last year called The Babysitter. Anybody ever see the movie The Babysitter? I heard of it. Um, this is on a similar premise, although uh, Mick G, of course, you know, any Mick G movie is, you know, uh, a lot of flash in the pan, no substance kind of a movie. Um, very, that movie's really funny and fun. Charlie's this Angels, Full Throttle. Was that was that Mick it, G? It certainly the fuck was. You bet. Babysitter right up there, too. Uh, essentially, what's going on here is um, the uh, this couple is celebrating their anniversary. 
So they hire a babysitter. Uh, and it's not their usual babysitter. They hire a babysitter. And they go out and they have their dinner. And it turns out that the babysitter that shows up is not the babysitter that they hired. Um, and let's just say she's kind of fucked up. And she puts these kids through some really fucked up things. Um, and, uh, and there's a real fucked up reason for why she's putting these kids through these things. And, um, it's, um, it, it, the first minute of the movie, you'll be like, holy shit. There's a holy shit move, uh, moment in the first part of the movie. And like the last 30 minutes was, was really, really good. Um, when they're trying to figure some things out. That being said, there's some pacing issues that are going on here. Um, there are, uh, holy crap. A lot of the things that you see are going to make you uncomfortable. I mean, it's seriously uncomfortable. Um, that being said, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and taste it from a thriller perspective. The, I mean, the, the sad thing about horror movies and thrillers is that there are a lot of them that just suck. Uh, and this one doesn't suck at all. I mean, I really had a good time, but I certainly, I mean, I would watch Caliber way before I watched this one. This is not a bad movie. Uh, and Sarah Bollinger, uh, was really, really good. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, that's Emily. On Netflix right now. Okay. Mm. Yep. Emily on Netflix. Okay. Is it spelled like traditional Emily or is there an I? No, it's a millennial fucking Emily. E M I L I E. Oh, Emily. they got through that I bullshit at the yep. end of it. Yep. They got yeah. spelled wrong. They're lucky that they didn't spell it with a Y before the uh, L. You know, like M E M Y L I E avant garde U or something. I don't know. <laughs> Emily. Um, okay. Next, I've got to talk. You know, I, I I told you this one too, Brian. Um, this is a remake. It's on Hulu. It's called Inside. Everybody, anybody ever heard of Inside? Okay. Inside is um, directed by Miguel uh, Angel Vivas, and he didn't do anything else either. Uh, stars two women. Uh, Rachel Nichols, uh, she's from, um, she's gonna be in the, in the Taken TV series. She stars as Eve. And then, uh, Laura ha- uh, Herring, she was in, uh, Mulholland Drive. She was, um, an active member on The Shield. So she's been around for a while. Um, this was one of those movies that, it's a remake of a, I believe a French film. Uh, and the French film is in the, the top 50 horror movies that you've never watched before kind of a deal. So when I, I saw the remake, Lynn and I watched the remake. It's it's a home invasion movie uh, with a twist. This woman, it's Christmas Eve. She's home. She's very pregnant. She's in her third trimester. Like that baby's ready to pop on out. And in fact, there's a scene. She goes to the doctor, and she's overdue to have this baby, right? Um, and uh, she's home alone uh, for some reasons I won't get into. And she's um, giving birth to the burglar. No, she's not giving birth to the burglar. The burglar is inside my belly. What a twist. (laughs) I stole your ovaries. Oh, my God. There's like a dual double entendre to the meaning of the the movie. So their baby's inside and the woman's inside. Mm. Um, But she is uh, she is stalked by this strange woman that comes to her house. And let's just say that this woman wants the baby. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
and it is fucking insane. This movie is totally insane. Mm. Um, it you got to turn your brain off though, right? Like you'd be like, no, this can't happen. No, this can't. So if you can turn your brain off, you're really gonna love it. I had a re- really great time. But if I go back and I think about some stuff, I'm like, eh, that's probably not gonna happen. Would you watch blah, blah, this blah, 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 blah. But if you could just go ahead and white knuckle it, this one's a Tupperware. This it, one's awesome. It's, it's on, on Hulu, it's so on it's Hulu. free on Hulu. Okay. I think you can rent it on Amazon Prime for like three bucks. Uh, I think it's worth the three bucks for sure. If you want a nice thriller um, with, and again, you know, um, the subject matter is kind of out there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, give me a baby. How much for your children? You know what I'm saying? So right. uh, that's out there. But it it was really intense. Like she locks herself in the bathroom for part of the for part of the movie. And oh, my God, it's just it's really, really intense. And you should check that one out. That's uh, inside. And I will save my last one for later and toss the ball, the hot potato to whomever. All right. I'm going to talk about, I got a couple more things that I want to talk about, and then I'll find out if you guys have anything left. Uh, there's a show on A&E, Arts and Entertainment. Uh, it's called Culture Shock. There are four episodes in. And uh, episode four is a Freaks and Geeks documentary. And uh, this is a show that I brought up years ago on Good Pop, Bad Pop. And uh, a lot of listeners like that had not watched Freaks and Geeks started to watch Freaks and Geeks because I brought it up on the show. I know Dan West watched it. I know Finn Dietz Creek watched it. I know a lot of people watched this because I brought it up. Uh, and um, I, uh, it was canceled after one season back in 1999. And I was like literally one of the... I don't know, very few people that was watching this as it originally aired back in uh, 1999. This uh, documentary, uh, Culture Shock, basically, it's not it's not all freaks and geeks. They've got four episodes. Uh, the three prior episodes had to deal with, uh, you know, like the Osbournes and uh, that, that reality TV show that they had. And then they had another episode that dealt with trash TV. But episode four was about freaks and geeks. And, um, this documentary is fantastic. If you're a fan of the show, it goes through a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that we didn't really know about unless you were kind of really following this in the paper, uh, or like maybe online back then. Um, it talks about the guys involved, the creators, Paul Feig is the creator. And of course, Judd Apatow, uh, and, uh, they're like, group of friends um how they started this whole show like judd apatow paul feig and some of the cast members were like stand-up comics and like after they got done doing their sets they would hang out after the shows and like play poker and like drink sodas and shit like that they and uh talk about uh you know different stuff so paul feig creates this show based on like the midwest that has like this core of characters that are you know, we've got these burnouts, which are the freaks, and then, like, the nerdy kids who are the geeks, and then he comes out with a show, Freaks and Geeks, about burnouts and nerds. And he shopped it to Fox. They said no. He shopped it then to, like, every other network, and they said no, until it landed on NBC. There was a couple of ladies, uh, that, and they actually interviewed these women uh, that worked at NBC, and they read the script 
for the pilot episode and they loved it and they said that they have to make this. They said like, we have to make this show. Uh, we want no changes. We want this to be filmed the way that we read it. And like, I am watching this documentary knowing none of this stuff. Like I know Paul Feig was the creator. I know Judd Apatow, Judd Apatow was involved in this, but I didn't know that these women at NBC like are my fucking heroes because I love this show. And like, they're one of the biggest reasons that this show is even put on the air and so like then it goes into like the show how they cast the characters um you got to remember like this show had a bunch of big time actors before they were big linda cardellini james franco seth rogan jason seagal uh, rashida jones played a bully on the show ben foster Played the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the really slow kid that Linda Cardellini's character goes to the dance with. Jason Schwartzman was on this show, a Wes Anderson guy, you know? I mean, th- these are big names, but back then, they were not. So, like, all, th- that cast, uh, Joe Flaherty from SCTV was brought on to play the father mm. of this show. I mean, they, 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 this documentary shows you casting tapes. From literally everybody, like you're 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 getting your first look at James Franco, your first look at 16 year old Seth Rogen, back when he was like doing uh, before this he was doing stand up comedy in Canada, and you're getting your first looks at Seth Rogen and hearing that 16 year old Seth Rogen, and just you get to listen to like the people that are uh, uh, you know listening to his audition and just cracking up. At him talking, uh, there's interviews with all of the cast, uh, Judd Apatow, Paul Feig, they talk as well. It, it's amazing how much like Judd Apatow and Paul, Pe- Paul, uh, Paul Feig like pull from their own childhoods to make this series. They have a writer's room get together and they talk about like their high school days and like what they went through in high school. And, um, the, the, the documentary, it chronicles the critics reception. Um, to the network burying the show and then uh, it chronicles the final days of shooting. It actually shows you like them shooting the final episode, them having a party, like a send-off for the final episode. They knew their days were numbered. And um, if you are a fan of Freaks and Geeks, this is a must-see. I I watched it when it came out. Um it was, it came out, it was like Saturday nights that this show was on. And I, you gotta understand, like, back in 99, I was fucking 21. So like, I was legal drinking age. And like, I would go out to the bars and hang out with my friends and shit. But I would wait for Freaks and Geeks to end before I, like, hit the road and went out with my friends and did whatever the fuck we did. That's how much this show meant to me. Uh, and, uh, it was, in the, it was based in the Midwest, which you don't see a lot of shows back then. Like, this show was a pioneer. Like, shows just weren't made like this. It was way ahead of its time. Just like the Ben Stiller show on Fox, uh, as a comedy was way ahead of its time and it got canceled. This got canceled way ahead of its time. Freaks and Geeks, you can still watch it now. It's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It is fucking amazing. Did anybody else watch this documentary or watch Freaks and Geeks? I've seen Freaks and Geeks. I haven't seen the documentary, so something I'll check out. 
Yeah, I've seen I've seen Freaks and Geeks, of course, and I, I know you mentioned the uh, the documentary to me. I just ran out of time to watch it, but it sounds really, really interesting. Like like something that I I would enjoy watching. I haven't seen the documentary. Um, I've only seen a few episodes of Freaks and Geeks, but I'm thinking about going back to revisit it now. Yeah, you've got to watch this show. It is absolutely incredible. They knew it was going to end, so they kind of like gave it a f- the best ending that they could. Uh, Paul Feig in the documentary says that he would never write for this show again. So like, there was a lot of hope after like Netflix started to run the show that maybe they would reboot the show and give us a new Freaks and Geeks. I part of me like wants to see where the story would have gone but like on the flip side like you can't recap you can't replace james franco linda cardellini jason seagal seth rogan you know john francis daly sam levine joe flaherty you can't replace them it just can't be done um it just can't be done it this was just uh we were lucky to get this. It's crazy, you know, because I, I grew up watching The Wonder Years, which was like a uh, very like, uh, yeah, we're going to go back to the 60s and shit. And The Wonder Years lasted like four or five seasons. And I loved The Wonder Years growing up. And like 1999, they give us this show that was based in like 1979. And it just... Unfortunately, it just didn't capture, like, most people. Like, most people were not watching this. And it was such a fucking shame when it got canceled. I was, I was heartbroken. And I, I couldn't believe it. Like, they showed in the documentary that fans actually paid money. Fans. Not, not, not the people involved with the show. Fans paid money to have an ad taken out in a magazine to save the show. That, that's fucking awesome. Wow. This documentary, just like, as a fan, like, I'm a diehard fan of Freaks and Geeks. Like, this is a show I will always revisit. I love this show. And um, just to watch this documentary, just like, it, it made me feel like that much closer to the... Give me a, a big time. I've always loved Paul Feig. I love that guy. Um, but, like, it gave me a bigger appreciation to Judd Apatow as well. And like what he's done for comedy. So, um, the last thing that I want to talk about, and then I'll pass it off to you guys, is I, Hulu sent me an email, um, about a documentary that they released on Friday that was a winner at a bunch of film festivals that included Sundance. So I, I had heard about this, and so I found out that, you know, they are doing a theatrical release. But you can watch it right now on Hulu. So I was like, holy shit, let me watch this. It's um, called Minding the Gap. And uh, it's about three young men bond together to escape volatile families in their Rust Belt hometown as they face adult responsibilities. Unexpected revelations threaten their decade-long friendship. Director Bing Liu chronicles his skateboarder friend's turbulent upbringings and the complexities of modern-day masculinity. So... uh as I'm watching the documentary, I'm like looking at the surroundings and they're showing you like the city that this is taking place in. And as I'm watching the documentary, I'm like, this looks like familiar. It just looks like what I'm used to seeing when I drive around, when I go into different cities and stuff like that. It just, it felt like Illinois, which is where I'm based. And the next thing you know, the documentary reveals that it's taking place in Rockford, Illinois, which is actually like north of me, a couple hours. 
And so that kind of like blew me away that it's taking place in Rockford, Illinois. And it, it made sense because everything looks like it looked like Illinois. You just you kind of like know what your communities look like and the houses and the, the community just look like what I see when I drive to like either like Champaign or Peoria or whatever. And so the documentary, it deals with these three friends who all are skateboarders, but the documentary, it goes into much more than just like their relationship when they're like skateboarding. It deals with racism. It deals with death. It deals with family. And it looks at it all from like experiences with, with all of these different guys. They all have different experiences when it comes to this. And, um, I'm telling you that, like, I'm not going to do this documentary justice by talking about it. It is an absolute Tupperware. If you have Hulu, you've got to watch this documentary. Like, whatever I say about this documentary is not going to capture the heart of it. It's not. Um, but I'll try my best. You have three guys. Um, one of the guys is actually the director, Bing Liu and he and his two friends Kier and Zach. Bing is Asian, Kier is black, and then Zach is white. And you get to know all these guys and their struggles in Rockford, which Rockford has a a huge unemployment rate and um, a crime rate. Uh, a lot of people are hurting in Rockford, Illinois, and um, you've got Zach. He's going to be a father soon, and he's got a very rocky relationship with the mother of the child uh, Nina uh, and and you see that relationship evolve over the documentary and it takes different turns you've got Kier and he's dealing like with his father's death and um, not having a father around and masculinity issues and then also being a black guy who has a lot of white friends and 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 still remembering the lessons that his father taught him like Hey, I understand you have a lot of white friends, but you got to remember that you are black. And it, it really gets, it dives into that. And then Bing has issues from his, the director, he has issues from his childhood that he's wanting to deal with. And, and making this movie, he, he said is basically a part of that healing process. And he was uh, abused, physically abused by his stepfather. And he actually confronts his own mother in this documentary about the abuse from his stepdad in the movie. And it's, this shit's fucking heavy. Um, you start to really like some of the, some of the people in the documentary, you start to really, um, get close to like Kier has like this infectious laugh. I loved, he just seems like a really good dude. And I, and, um, I really liked, uh, Kier. And uh, I can't get too much into this without, like, spoiling the whole thing, but I want everyone to please watch this. It just – it felt so real, and it looks like places I've lived near and lived – because it, it's set right here in the Midwest. And, like – but at the heart of the documentary, there's, like, these three friends who love skateboarding, and they're really fucking good at it. There's some really good skateboarding going on in this movie. And that's kind of, like, where the documentary starts. Is it tries to suck you in with, like, the skateboarding – like it's a skateboarding documentary, 
but then it like opens up and it's something completely different and it opens up about domestic abuse and fatherhood and um and uh going from adolescence to becoming like a man when you maybe don't have the best father figure in front of you and like how you deal with like masculinity and and it's it's just it all feels so fucking real and honest and uh i think like if you're definitely if you're in your 20s watch this I, anybody should watch this don't turn it off early because like i could on, i could see people turning this off within the first 10 minutes I I beg you, I implore you, just keep watching. Before you know it, you're going to get sucked into this thing. You're not going to be able to stop watching. It is truly compelling film, and uh, I Tupperware mining the gap on Hulu, and um, it's they're actually having. Uh, you can watch it now on Hulu, or they're they're having screenings around the U.S. And some of the screenings are going to be with the people that are involved in the documentary. And some of the screenings are actually with the director, Bing Liu. And Bing Liu is actually going to be at a screening in Rockford on August 24th, 25th, and 26th with a Q&A session at the end. And so you can go to uh, mindthegapfilm.com to see if it's playing anywhere near you and you want to see this in a theater experience and then maybe even have the director at the end where you can, you can talk to the fucking director and shake his hand and thank him for making this movie. Um, part of me hopes that I, I might have one of those days off so I can kind of like make the trip out there. I, I just want to kind of shake his hand because this, this movie was just so incredible. Minding the gap on, um, on Hulu. I highly, 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 highly recommend this. Wow. Yeah. It, it you got to watch it. I, I, I don't know. It, does this sound like anything that you guys would be interested in watching and seeing? Oh, absolutely. Like I've I've seen ads for this and I really thought it was all about skating. No. Uh, um excuse me, skate skateboarding. No. And I was just like, ah, it's not for me. Like it just didn't pull my attention, but it's so much deeper than that, it seems, uh, from what you're describing. I would absolutely watch this. No, it deals with domestic abuse. It deals with, um, it deals with these men who didn't have father figures in their lives or good father figures in their lives or a father figure that was taken too soon and, and them having to, to deal with that. And all three of them are friends and all of them are brought together by skate. This is not like, you know, uh, what is it? Um, the Lords of Dogtown or, 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 you know, like it's a documentary about skating Dogtown and Z boys or whatever the fuck those documentaries are. And that movie was about skating in Southern California. Like this, yes, like there are some really great like shots of these guys doing skateboarding in Rockford. It's really fucking cool. And that kind of like brings them together, but it deals with like Kier, Kier trying to find employment in Rockford and support himself uh, to Zach trying to be a father and then also deal with his relationship. He's got his own fucking issues that he's got to deal with too. And then Bing trying to come to terms that he was abused as a child and like, why didn't his mother stop this? Did she know what was going on? Like, this is masterful. And this guy was a cinema, he's done some cinematography for some other films. Bing Liu has done some cinematography from other films, but like this is his directorial debut. And, uh, it is fucking incredible. I, 
this is a Tupperware I highly, highly, highly recommend watching. Minding the Gap on Hulu. It's a Hulu excuse, uh, exclusive, so you can only watch it on Hulu or if they're going to screen it near you in a city near you to watch it. But I highly recommend it. But that's all I have this week. Did anybody else have anything else that they wanted to go over before we jump into news? Nope. I have uh, just a couple more things, if I may. Yeah. Um, cool. There is a, a documentary series on Netflix called I Am a Killer. Has I, anybody watched this? I, it's in my list to watch. It's on my list, too. Okay, cool. So uh, this is, a again, it's a documentary series, and it follows death row inmates who tell the story of how they ended up on death row. Um I only watched the first episode. And if you go on IMDb, the episodes are out of order than what is presented on Netflix. But I I watched the first episode, which was about James Robertson. Um, James Robertson, he killed his cellmate. He was already in prison. He killed his cellmate so he could escape solitary confinement and be on death row, which had much better conditions. Um, and that's his story. And then they talk to the people in his life. They talk to former cellmates. They talk to the nurse who has treated him in the, in the prison that you find out what got him into prison in the first place. Um, just from the first episode, it is so interesting. It is very compelling. Um, this, I mean, this is a guy who uh, committed a crime and got sent to prison, right? But he, had, uh, like many prisoners, had a, a, a bad childhood. He started out doing little petty crimes, works his way up, gets sent to prison. And once he's in the prison system, he really never improves. So he gets in trouble in prison. He gets his sentence extended. He tries to escape. He gets more prison time. And because he was a difficult prisoner, he gets solitary confinement. You know, so it's like 23 hours a day. He's by himself in this little cell. And basically, um, you know, he just says, you know, fuck it. I, I'm tired of, of this. And I'm going to be stuck here in prison anyway for like uh, the majority of my life. So when he's back in a cell with a cellmate, he decides I'm going to kill my cellmate so that they'll give me the death penalty. And they talk to his lawyer who represented him at trial. And the lawyer, you know, he talks about how he struggled uh, with his conscience. Like, should I advocate for this guy to get the death penalty? It was a fascinating study of this man's life and how, you know, then he, he has like no family, but then he's able to reconnect with like a cousin who has been out of his life for a very long time and being in touch with the cousin and and his family um, gives him a really different, like a perspective of his life. It's a very interesting docuseries. Mm. I'm going to give the first episode a high taste it and I'm going to, I'm going to watch the rest of them. They're, the first episode was about 52 minutes. Um, I think the rest are about the same length. Uh, but it is, you know, real crime drama. Um, and it's, it's, 
you know, it's going to make you a, a little uncomfortable, you know, as these, he calmly discusses how he murdered this man who, for no other reason that he wanted to get out of this part of the, out of like this maximum security part and get sent to death row where they had better food. Who's the blame? Oh, who's the blame here? Like, who's the blame? Is it the, like, is it the, is it, is it the, the prison system to blame? I mean, I mean, did they push him to this? That's the thing. It's like our yeah. prison, our prison system just treats people like there is no rehabilitation. No matter no. what they say, there is zero rehabilitation. Uh, prisoners right. go to prison and they become better criminals. They become better at, exactly. uh, they, that's what they're learning there. They're not learning anything else. They're, it's not like you go there and you're learning arts and crafts or you're le- learning a skill or you're learning this or you're learning that. I mean, yeah, you can go to like church or, or whatever, like you can choose a religion and all this stuff and a lot of the times they just do that shit just so it can look good on the record so they can get out early um but i mean it's it's a whole nother world in there and there's really no order um i don't know it's i I just i i feel he's fucked up he's fucked up for like getting getting to the place in his mental state where he feels like he has to kill another guy to get better conditions. That's, that's fucked up. Like I can't sympathize with that, but like what made him feel like that in the first, cause there's no hope in his life. Exactly. There's zero hope. What, what's very interesting is in this guy's particular case, when, when it starts out, you know, he talks a lot about how he, he got, he says, according to him, that he got accused of doing stuff in the prison that he never did. So they add on 15 years to his mm. sentence. Um, I mean, he says he didn't do it. The prison system says he did. So who knows, right? So now he's got 15 years extra added to his sentence. And because he's a difficult, violent, quote unquote guy, um, he's put into this higher security part of the prison where he's given, he has to be monitored even more. So because he doesn't get good food, because he doesn't get to watch TV when he wants to watch TV, he says, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to go to, I'm going to murder this guy and I'm going to go to death row. I'm going to ask for the death penalty because I'm, I'm fucked anyway. It's going to make you feel all those things like what you're, you're expressing, Brian. It's going to make you feel angry at the prison system and it's going to make you feel angry at this guy. It's going to make you feel angry at society in general. But the story takes a really interesting turn when he reconnects with a part of his family that he was cut off from from a long time. And the influence of the family in his life really changes him in, yeah, in certain ways. Fuck this guy because like the other guy can't connect with his family because he took his fucking life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously like it's not like, it's not right. And I'm not like, no, I know he's like a hero, but I like, totally yeah, understand. No, there's like, there's so many, there's different sides to the coin. I, I, I understand we're God damn it. Like you, this who knows who this guy could have been had situations been different for this guy, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. I mean, so I don't know. I feel like some people don't realize that people care about him until it's too fucking late. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that this guy – When you treat somebody is- like a fucking animal, they're going to react like a goddamn animal. Mm-hmm. I right? agree. I agree. This series is worth watching. It's absolutely worth watching. 
it's it's true crime, it's documentary, and it's a, it's in a series. So there's several, there's I think ten episodes. I mean, I watched the first episode, and it's not like I didn't want to watch the next one right away, but I just needed to take a break. Like, I needed to not watch the next episode right away. I needed to catch my breath. You know what I mean? Like, it was so impactful. It left me really thinking about what led him to that choice. And the way that he so calmly described how he killed his cellmate and the reason why he did it, it's – it's a little disturbing. It's upsetting. Yeah. To hear that, him talk that, about it so clinically. It doesn't, it doesn't that though make it, it's the best part of Silence of the Lambs is the small parts with Hannibal Lecter. Oh and yeah. That's why we watch stuff like Mind Tenter and that's why we watch things about, cause you are so fucked up and, and just so calm and, and, and I want to understand you cause you exactly. are so far beyond anything that I understand. That's what makes it compelling and interesting. So uh, this is – I could totally uh, appreciate why you'd want to take a break after watching one. Oh, yeah. I, I, I bet you felt a, a little dirty. Like, oh, I feel dirty. I shouldn't have watched that. But <laughs> ooh, give me some more. Give me yeah. some more. I want to no, know absolutely. more about that. Absolutely. Like I, I really recommend that you check it out. If you're a fan of true crime and you're a fan of the do- of the, of the documentary series type thing, absolutely watch this Um it's very – and it's not like, you know, did he do it or didn't he do it? Let's let's take an hour and look at the evidence. No, these guys are clearly saying, oh, yeah, I did it. I killed those people. I killed this guy. That's why I'm on death row. But the the – the examination is into their mind of why they did it. Well, and, I mean, and, and all that. Wh- I mean, wh- what can we do? As a, and it's hard to get into this. It's like, what can we do as a as a country, as a people, to like stop this kind of stuff from happening? Like, what can we don't, do? Don't privatize the prison system, and don't lock people up. Because they have a little bit of weed on them. I, I, I agree. I agree. That's what you did. No, it was it was back in it was back in and I, I you know is back in the the war on drugs and all that stuff when we're watching like you know you know the first lady show up on different strokes and stuff like that and it's like yeah, if you if you smoke and I, it started back with uh, what was it um, that fucking uh, movie that they made uh, about uh, a weed making you go crazy and all these. What was that movie called? God damn it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the 30s. I do. I can't think of the name of it school either. Special Hunt. I'm sorry? Was that the after school special with Helen Hunt? When no, she no, 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 no. This was, this was like a 1930s, 1920s, 1930s type movie where people would smoke weed and they would go crazy and you'd see them jumping oh. off buildings and killing each other and stuff like that. I, I've been... Uh, speaking of stuff, I've been drinking, so I can't remember the name of it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, yeah, people getting sent away for just like, you know, having a little bit of weed on them and, and, um, that there's this movie coming out, uh, White Boy Rick. Have you guys seen oh, the trailer? Oh, I can't film? wait to see that. Have you seen the documentary for White Boy Rick? No, I have not. I highly recommend that you watch it because I don't think that the movie is actually going to be kind of – I think the movie is going to kind of like lean towards like the the wild, glamorous lifestyle that he was leading. But like in all actuality, like – 
the documentary makes it seem like he wasn't as big a deal as they made it out to be. And he was originally just kind of like an informant for the police and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you have, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a good movie, but okay. yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers yeah. no, to what I, we need to um, do. The movie you're referencing is called reefer madness. Oh, reefer yeah. madness. Thank you. Oh, yeah. From yeah. 1936. Yeah, Reefer fucking madness. Have you ever seen that movie? It's ridiculous. I've seen clips of it. Oh, I've I seen, haven't seen the actual movie. I've seen clips of it. I've watched the entire thing. It's absolutely oh, ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I'm a big fan of cinema and stuff like that, and people talk yeah. about it. And so I was like, I got to watch this. So I think I watched it on, uh, I think it was on like one, like a streaming service, or maybe I watched it on YouTube but years ago. But yeah, Reefer Madness is a fucking joke. And, um, yeah, just whatever, whatever. Uh, let's, are you guys ready to move into news? Or you got anything else, Rebecca? Let's talk about one more thing, if you don't mind. Jesus fucking um, Christ, the longest good pop, bad pop section ever. I know, I'm sorry. This is fucking, the last thing I promise. You're fuck, um, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm ready to kill my cellmate over here. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another movie on Netflix, which may, uh, I think it comes out soon in the UK or it might be out now. Uh, it's called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Oh, come on. It, just now you're making shit up. No, Can we just I am end? Not. I am going to go out on a limb and think, say you guys have not watched this. No, no, mm-hmm. no, you're just, you're just, now you're just making up words and trying to be funny. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, <laughs> this is a Netflix movie. Um, the synopsis is in the aftermath of World War II, a writer forms an unexpected bond with the residents of Guernsey Island when she decides to write a book about their experiences during the war. Um, this is a period piece. It takes place in 1946, so it's right after World War II. Um, this was directed by Mike Newell, um, and it is based on a book. It's based on a novel. Uh, this movie stars a lot of people who were in The Crown and Downton Abbey. So if you've seen Downton Abbey, if you've seen The Crown, you're going to recognize the majority of this cast in here. Um Basically, the the premise of this movie is that during World War II, and I didn't know any of this, uh, and I was chatting with Kat Kirby about this online, but uh, during World War II, uh, the Germans actually invaded the island of Guernsey and they occupied it. Um, it was the only part of the UK that they actually occupied. Um, it's this tiny island in the English Channel. They came in and they occupied and they took everybody's um, – um, farms and livestock, et cetera, and they basically forced everyone to grow potatoes uh, so they could ship it back to Germany and to, to, to feed the troops. Um, after, so during the war, you know, there's all these restrictions. People can't go outside and there's very little to eat. So uh, one of the residents of this island, he comes up with this recipe for potato peel pie. Um, and it's basically just boiled potatoes and you use the peel to make like a lattice top like a like an apple pie type mm. look um and it's got no butter it's got nothing in it it's it's terrible it's just boiled potatoes that are mashed with the peel um but it's all that they have and they form this literary society where they get together once a week and they read books and one of the books they read um has someone's name in it uh, cause she had sold it years ago. They write to her, 
wanting to connect with her uh, to see if they could help her get another copy of this book. And at this point in her life, she's now like an established author. She's very famous. She's so intrigued by their story. She goes to the island of Guernsey and she spends time with this literary society. Um, this is a very sweet period piece movie. It takes place in the 40s. Um, and it's just it's adorable. It's about people who love books. It's about people who have survived uh, the terror of being occupied by Nazi Germany. Um, and it's about fight. Oh, this author, this woman who's finding her way in life. Um, if you are a fan of Downton Abbey, absolutely watch this movie. If you're a fan of period pieces, you should watch this movie. The costumes. Oh my God, Brooke, the costumes. If you're listening is gorgeous. You will get so many ideas for your next cosplay. There's so, I mean, it's, it, it's like Peggy Carter all over the place. It is gorgeous stuff. Um, and the acting is really great. The story is sweet and beautiful. I, I Tupperware it. It's so much. It's not fun in the in the traditional sense because there's a mystery that she has to solve while she's there on the island of Guernsey, and there are flashbacks, people remembering what was what it was like during the occupation. But if you're a fan of 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 those period piece movies, I really recommend this. It is a beautiful little movie with a quirky name, and I just I loved it. I what absolutely a, loved it. What about if you're a fan of potatoes? Is that yeah? I was oh, just gonna ask. If you're a fan of potatoes, definitely watch this movie. I don't. I'm not. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm. I. I. I don't know if I'm pro potato. It's. It, and it's very controversial. I know it's very controversial to be pro potato these days. But I'm just saying. Yeah. That I am, but yeah, I know it is. A, it has a very funny name, which was what honestly it intrigued me to yeah, watch. What the it. fuck is the name again? Say this shit again. That was ridiculous. I know it it's sounded called- like you were just being silly over there. <laughs> I was. Let me, let me write this down. Let me write it down. Go ahead. It's called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Oh, that is fucking stupid. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Come on. Oh, hold on. We had Buckaroo Banzai Adventures Across the Eighth Yeah, dimension. come on. Come, the, the literary Guernsey potato pie fuck <laughs> fest, whatever the fuck. I got to go look up this potato pie. I mean, carbs are bad, right? So I shouldn't have any. It's, I'm it's, really curious if it's any good. It's probably not because everybody who tries it thinks it's terrible. I mean, it's a, it was a thing born out of having no real food during the war, but, um. There's so many delicious things you can make with potatoes, though. I agree. You know, they could have made hash browns. I like them. Tater tots are good till they get hot or cold there, uh, (laughs) right, Brian? Yeah, here's the thing. Uh, the, no, guys, the, the inside joke's gotta stop. Come on. People have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Um, they don't know about cold tater tots. Come on. No, they, 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 they don't. Not in reference to what you're saying. Hold on. Um, I'm saying like, uh, uh, Penn Gillette, the, uh, the, the, uh, magician, the, he did that potato diet. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, that's how he lost all that weight. He started that uh, potato diet where potatoes, if you eat potatoes, you can get kind of like all the nutrients that you need with just eating a like a baked potato or a boiled potato or whatever. Uh-huh. And that's how Pendulette did his diet. He did like two weeks just eating 
boiled or baked potatoes for two weeks. And after that, then he would introduce like another vegetable, like asparagus or corn or whatever it is. And, hmm. and now he's a complete vegan and he's lost well over a hundred pounds just wow. by, just by, yeah, starting that potato diet. And, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but uh yeah, he looks great. He's Oh, he looks awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. He does, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Speaking of uh magicians. <laughs> There's a transition in here somewhere I'm waiting for. It. I was just going to make like this whole conversation disappear. Is what I was going to do <laughs> so we could take a break and come back with news. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't work out. Oh my god! I uh, <laughs> this episode. I don't know. All right, we're gonna, our worst episode ever. It's pretty bad, Scott. <laughs> I blame myself <laughs> and all the inside jokes. No, it's like I'm very mindful of that. Like I get it. Like we've got our close knit group of people that like get the inside jokes that are all funny and shit. But then, like, you gotta understand, Scott, there are literally thousands of people that listen to this, and they have no idea what the fuck you're talking about, buddy. Zero clue. Everybody understands cold tater tots. I'm just saying. Cold tater tots are not a delicacy, so. Alright, guys, we are gonna take a- Maybe in Guernsey they are. I'm just saying. Alright, here's the story, guys. We were, we were at C2E2, and I was drunk (laughs) off my ass, and there was a bunch of cold tater tots in the room, and I was daring people to eat cold tater tots tots because cold tater tots are disgusting <laughs> and a lot of people said no scott ate them who else ate them who else who else i, the- I ate the whole i ate ever all that was left all that was left <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> joe stark had a few of them as well okay cold tater tots are just like they're, they they will cut your throat you know what i mean like if if you eat them the wrong way, if they get really cold they will scratch up the back of your throat cold tater tots are no joke like hot piping tater tots are good, but like when you eat the cold one, this conversation is ridiculous. Gone on way too long. Um, so I'm gonna we're gonna take a quick break and come back with the pop culture leftovers news. All right, hey, we are back. Uh, let's see here. I have a, a show I want to talk about. It's all about cabbage. It's a show about <laughs> cabbage. Now, uh, it's time to move on into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Uh, real quick, uh, Mulan, the live action adaptation of uh, the uh, 1998 animated feature, is uh, production is going to start here shortly. This cast is just amazing. Uh, they've got uh, Lu Yifei. Uh, she was in the Forbidden Kingdom and Once Upon a Time. Uh, Donnie Yen from Ip Man and Star Wars Rogue One. Uh, Jason Scott Lee, uh, Yosan An, uh, from The Meg. Utkarsh, God, these names. Utkarsh Ambuk, I wish I could pronounce them, I'm terrible. Utkarsh Amb- Ambutkar from Pitch Perfect. Ron Juan from Marco Polo. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, Rosalind Chow from uh, Star Trek D Space Nine, Chang Pei Pei from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Nelson Lee, uh, shit, uh, Gong Lee from Memoirs of a Geisha, uh, Jet Lee 
from uh, you know Shaolin Temple, Lethal Weapon Four. Just an amazing cast. This is the, like, as far as the cast goes, this is just incredible. Uh, everybody that they've assembled here for this movie. So, yeah, I I hope that this movie is fantastic. I, I think it has like all the pieces here to be a great movie. Um, I loved the Jungle Book. I never did watch the Beauty and the Beast live animation or the the Cinderella one or whatever the hell. But I'm hoping that this can be a really good movie. Just they've really assembled a great cast here. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right, thank you everyone for the <laughs> input there. Sorry. Really appreciate it. You guys are yeah. <laughs> Let's move. We talk about potatoes again. Fuck. Uh, you know what? Fuck you. That was a good movie. You don't have to like. You don't have to watch it, but it was a good movie. No, it was the name. It was the name of the goddamn movie that was just ridiculous. It's like, well, it's meant to be quirky. Oh, yo, well, mission accomplished. They yeah. fucking nailed it. My God. Uh, anyway, uh, next, yeah, looking forward to Mulan. Hopefully, hopefully there's some more news that comes out about it, and I can't wait to see the trailer. They've assembled a, a really fantastic cast there. Uh, a fan recently tweeted, uh, director Neil Blomkamp about his, uh, Robocop movie. His, uh, it's not a reboot, it sounds like, but, uh, it's called Robocop Returns, and they asked him this question. Rewatched Robocop last night, still one of the best. Can't wait to see what Neil Blomkamp's twist is. Uh, who should play Robocop though? And Blomkamp replied, Peter Weller. So he's wanting to get Peter Weller. It sounds like, is this wishful thinking that he wants to get the original actor, Peter Weller, to come back and play Robocop again? I mean, Peter Weller is 71 years old, guys. I, I, I mean, I love Peter Weller. Uh, don't get me wrong. Last thing I remember seeing him in was Star Trek Into Darkness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's 71 years old. I, I, I mean, part of me wants to see this and part of me wants them to kind of like pass the torch and give the moniker to a, a younger guy. Maybe, you know, I was thinking possibly like a Mads Mikkelsen or even a, Fuck you, Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale would be a damn good RoboCop. I don't think he'd do the role, but I mean, what are you guys thinking? Peter Weller, 71 years old, coming back. Does that work for you? Well, I just don't think it's it's plausible. Right. Right. I mean, it's like the Terminator aging. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I get like the idea that like. I get the idea that it would be great to have Peter Weller back because I think that's how you get butts in seats. Like you connect with the original uh, fans of the of the movie. But I mean, just practically speaking, I mean, you, he, I, I, I don't think it's it's practical. Is this is this Blomkamp just kind of like paying fan service right now? You know, like he knows it's not going to happen, but like that's just like the expected answer. You know, like he can't, he can't name off like, uh, he can, it's not like he can say, oh, Ryan Gosling. He can't, because he's not in discussions. Of course, like if you're going to want to get the fan base behind you, you're going to say Peter Weller, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Or it could be one of those just, well, it, Peter Weller was, was the last RoboCop, so I'm just going to throw his name out there so you guys will shut up because I, I don't want to talk about it. Because there's no way he's going to be able to do the role. 
or even is, though RoboCop is, walks real slow, but you know he, he can't do his own stunts and shit yeah. like that. You, you'd have to cast uh, another. You'd have to cast another stuntman to do a ton of the work. I mean, maybe he's just being tongue in cheek here and saying, "Oh yeah, Peter yeah. Weller is going to do it." Like maybe he's just being a little bit of that, or, or like like what you're saying, Scott. Like, uh, yeah, we're going to get Peter Weller now. Shut up and stop asking me about it. Well, I, you know, it's like uh, he grew up watching the RoboCop movies as, as we all did. And maybe it's just like his dream to to work with Peter Weller. I I just don't know. You know, I Joel Kinnaman was absolutely fantastic in Altered Carbon. Don't get me wrong. And I actually enjoyed him in Suicide Squad. He was one of the very few things that I liked about that movie. You can go back and listen to me talk about uh, in our review of Suicide Squad. And I, I did love him in uh, Suicide Squad. I thought he was really good. It's just, you know, that new RoboCop movie that came out, I had no interest in seeing it. I don't, I don't care. I, this though, it, it feels different. It feels different. And I feel like, and I'm not a Blomkamp fan. I didn't even like District 9. And I know that that's a popular movie. And this is the unpopular opinion. I have the unpopular opinion. I didn't like District 9. Saw it in the theater. Didn't like it. I went with my ex-wife and one of my best friends they both loved it i was in the minority there um but uh you know i'm not a blomkamp fan i saw elysium and and another film that he did and that i i was not a big fan of but um i don't know it's i feel like blomkamp was wanting to do something really cool with the alien franchise that kind of fell out you know he was wanting to bring back uh michael bean and and uh the the you know the the newt character from the alien franchise and kind of like give us give us you know maybe a story where they didn't die and now he's mm-hmm. wanting to do his thing with RoboCop and uh it's called RoboCop Returns which yeah i mean sure RoboCop Returns that could mean Peter Weller but you know it also could be that you know somebody else just takes over the moniker of RoboCop and Detroit like They've decommissioned RoboCop and now they're bringing back the RoboCop program and they've got a completely new RoboCop to take over the role. So I don't know. Peter Weller at 71. I love Peter Weller. I'm sure that there's people out there that are just like, yes, do this, make it happen. Uh, I don't need to, I, I don't mean to be an ageist right now. I just don't know. I don't know if I want to see a 71, 71 year old robot. Old people are scared of robots anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if I need to see an old person as a robot. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's not put RoboCop in a wheelchair. Just put him in the wheelchair. Uh, uh, Robopops. Robo. <laughs> Dead or alive, you're coming with me, Sonny. Uh, How about that. I like that. I'd watch that. (laughs) I don't know, man. I think, I think it's a very nice sentiment from Blomkamp here. Yeah. I'm not buying it though. I don't think that they, I don't think that they're gonna have Peter Weller come back and play a 70 year old Robocop. I just can't see it happening. Philip, you sound like you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I think it would work as well as keeping Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I they, they, they explained it. And I mean, it, it is in the Terminator movies. They did explain it that the, the, 
the tissue that they use, it mm-hmm. age, it ages. I mean, I understand that, that the Terminator grows, grows older. The tissue ages just like, you know, human tissue, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm kind of intrigued. It'd be interesting to see like how they would work it in the trailer to see a, I mean, and I know that, I know that Robocop moved very slow. He was not fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't see Robocop moving very fast. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know though. I don't know if we can see a 71, 71 year old Peter Weller doing this role. Right. Yeah. And if it, 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 and you know how Hollywood is right now, guys, with everything's got to be a goddamn trilogy, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything's a fucking trilogy. Nothing's ever a one and done. They're even talking about doing a sequel to Get Out, which I, to me, I, I say, Get Out. Come on, knock it off. That was a great <laughs> standalone Jordan Peele movie. We don't need a sequel. I guess if Jordan Peele wants to give it a crack, that's fine. But I felt like it was a good one off. But uh, if you get Peter Weller back then in here at 71, like, who's to say that they're not going to want to do this until he's well into his 80s? I don't know. It sounds ridiculous to me. But uh, Bloody Disgusting is claiming that Yon Sang-ho is reportedly working on a sequel to the zombie film Train to Busan. Yes. As reported by All K-Pop, a representation for Sang-ho has confirmed that Train to Busan sequel is in its early planning stage with the working title Peninsula. The site details the film will revisit the same zombie virus that we've seen in the original movie, except this time the focus will be expanded to the entire Korean peninsula. Quote, we are planning to begin filming in the first half of the year, the press was reportedly informed. Uh, we still have no cast, and we have not cast any actors, so we are still preparing for a lot of different things. Um, Scott, I know you're a big fan of uh, Train to Busan. Uh, you actually kind of like got me to watch this. I'd heard of it before, but like like you, you sung its praises, and then you also said to go ahead and watch the animated film Soul Station, which I did. I, I sought that out and I watched that. And I also thought that that was fantastic. This director actually came from an anime background, and uh, Train to Busan was uh, his first live action movie, and. I understand people are like, oh, zombie movies, I'm burnt out on them. I'm burnt out on zombie TV shows. I'm burnt out on the movies. Make an exception here. Watch. Oh, I certainly will. Absolutely. Everybody should make an exception for Train to Busan. That movie was absolutely incredible. Is it still on Netflix, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I saw it today. All right. You, oh, you watched the film? No, no, no. I saw that it was on there oh, okay. today. Yeah, uh, emotional movie. A very emotional movie. Like, you wouldn't mm. think... Rebecca, have, is this something that you've avoided? It's just not in my wheelhouse. You Get know, the, I'm not like a big no. zombie fan. Yeah, but you I, watch I know it. you guys rave about this movie. You've got to watch it. It's re- it, I'm telling you, this is not your standard zombie flick. I, I'm Does telling it have you. a lot of jump scares? Or no? No. It has a lot of character okay. development. You like, okay. you fall okay. in, you fall in love with these characters, and then by the end of the movie, you're actually crying with one of them that you've gotten to know over the course of the film. I'm telling you, like this is an emotional zombie film. This is not like 
This is not, I mean, I love 28 Days Later just like the, you know, like, like everybody else. But this mm-hmm. is, you know, 28 Days Later, this is, I think this, Scott, I think this is even better than 28 Days Later. You know what I mean? Well, it certainly has a better story to it. You know, the thing that 28 Days Later did for us is it brought us the entire concept of infected versus zombies like the zombies of george a romero were these slow moving things yes. and 28 days later i'm like okay um and i see that these things can now run yes. and get me versus you know walking real slow i got a fighting chance if they're walking real slow uh, they they run i'm i'm dead right we're, we're all dead that terrified me which is you know why 28 days i think works really well but the overall story is kind of meh from a from a story perspective, Train to Busan is just an amazing story with amazing amazing characters. Mm-hmm. And when when you start talking about Peninsula, holy shit, I'm I'm in. I yeah, I'm day one watching that film. That's going to be awesome. I am too. Um, yeah, and, and that anime was fa- fucking fantastic as well. Again, yes. great great story. And the, and the end to that anime was. I did not see that coming, and it was fantastic. The anime was great. I was, uh, oh. you know, I fell in love with the actual movie, and then uh, I had to seek out the anime. It was on VRV for a while. I, I know it's on another service too. You can watch it on another service. It's called Soul Station, uh, Soul like in Soul Korea, S E O U L, and uh, it is. My God, this this director. I, I want to see this director do more in this world. Because, you know, I still, I, I don't know, man. It, it's like, it's, it, we've got The Walking Dead, which I feel like has been suffering, you know, the past few seasons. But, uh, this director that's doing something here with these zombies and still actually giving us like character development within the movies. I, I, dude, you gotta watch Train to Busan. It's on Netflix. Fucking watch it. You'll come mm-hmm. out of that movie and you'll be like, oh my God. Brian was right. This movie's amazing. I absolutely loved it. Um, that girl, I connected with the little girl. Oh my god, I'm crying with the little girl at the end, Scott. I'm crying at the end. Mm-hmm. So we just need to tie Rebecca up and make her watch certain things. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, well, that I do. Creepy at all? <laughs> no. I get it. A lot of people are fucking like turned off by zombies or they don't care for horror and stuff like that. Oh, it's just a stupid fucking zombie flick. Dude, I fell in love with the characters in this one, man. I really did. And then there's the threat of the zombies and oh my God. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. Guys, Geeks Worldwide had an exclusive on Rambo 5. They gave us more details about the movie, and I wanted to go over that. Omega Underground learned that Rambo 5, uh, also known as Rambo Last Blood, has officially started casting roles. And we have a, they have a couple of audition tapes for the film. And you can see these online, these audition tapes. And uh, minor details on the characters and the film's plot. Rambo teams up with a journalist to track down and rescue a group of local girls that have been kidnapped by a Mexican sex trafficking ring after trying to settle down to a quiet, peaceful life stateside at the family ranch in Arizona after spending decades abroad. The unnamed journalist role doesn't seem to be in the bunch of tapes, but does sound like the secondary lead of the film and will be spending most of his time alongside Rambo. The first character in the tapes includes uh, Robert Seidel, 
an American that plays a role in the sex trafficking operation and is kidnapped by John Rambo to retrieve information on the missing girls. The girls are being shipped out of the country via submarine. Actors Michael Derrick and Cole Gleason are auditioning for the role, and you can see those videos on uh, for the role of Robert on Vimeo. Uh, two other male characters are Hugo, a perverted thug that Rambo grills for information in Mexico, and Victor, a more cold professional sex trafficker, as auditioned by Jan Cornette, who is from Madrid, Spain. Also, Luisa Rubino is auditioning for the Latina role of Gabrielle, and the actress is also, she's from Mexico City, Mexico. So this is just more confirmation that that's what this movie, like, we already talked about this in the past, but it's basically about sex trafficking, and um, Rambo is going to basically be a one-man army like he, like he is in all the fucking movies, and he's going to stop mm-hmm. these sex traffickers. Um I don't know. I, I, did you guys like John Rambo? Was that, that, was that what it was called? John Rambo or is it just called Rambo? I can't remember. That last one that came out in 2007. Nobody knows. I think it was I, just, I didn't I, see that movie. I didn't watch that movie. Are you kidding me? It's fucking amazing. The one that came out in 2017, you said? No, 2007. Oh, 2007. I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? You guys have not seen this. No. Oh my. It was just named Rambo 2008. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rambo. You guys need to get on that. I am not kidding you. That movie is incredible. Is that the one where he's going down the river? Yes. Okay, I did see that one. That was pretty good. It was not pretty good if you don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not old like me. I told you this is a this is a recurring problem. <laughs> oh my god! All right, okay, fair enough, hey, guys. Yeah, if you haven't seen, why that did one, I think that there was a, wrong, a one right after that one? Maybe that that was the deal. But one's coming up. There we go. I think you're confusing maybe your Rocky with your Creed and your Rambo. I don't know. He seems to do a lot of these. He comes back to him. But yeah, this is going to be, uh, it sounds like it's going to be Rambo Last Blood, the first movie being First Blood. I, uh, looks like they, they're talking about the director for this one being Adrian Grunberg. And don't confuse this, Rebecca. He, 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 uh, directed a movie called Get, Get to the Gringo, not or get the gringo, not gringo, not the movie. Oh, that, okay. No, not the, not the movie you're thinking of. He did a movie called Get the Gringo back in 2012, and uh, that's really his only major film. But that's the director that they're looking at. But I thought you guys would have a lot more to say on this story. Nobody watched the last Rambo movie except for Scott, and he barely remembers it because of his dementia. <laughs> you know what? I I honestly <laughs> I assumed it was going to be some hacky terrible thing um and so i just i it i didn't watch it no it's it's this is uh it's a return to form you had uh rambo first blood which was an amazing movie yeah, I, I love that movie with uh, brian dennehy and of course sylvester stallone the second one had to deal with like the pow's and that was really right. like when i was a child that was my first experience to pow's and then i remember going to washington dc on a family vacation and seeing you know, different monuments and things like that. And then people with like, uh, 
flyers and stuff like that talking about like the POWs that were left over in Vietnam. And so like after I took that trip, that movie meant a lot more to me after that. But, um, the third one was just ridiculous. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, that, that last movie Rambo was incredible. I highly recommend it's a Tupperware. I'm not going to lie. Oh, wow. Great. I loved it. I I will seek it out and I'll watch it because I like you, I the, the first one is amazing. I like the second one. The third one is terrible. And I, I guess when this one came out, the one, you, the one you're talking about in 07, I, I thought it was going to be just more terrible stuff. So I just, I avoided it. I did. I mean, I didn't seek oh, it out man. to watch it. No, it's like but, uh, uh, Stallone has done some great stuff since this, like this, uh, Stallone assance that we've had when he, when he did, uh, Stallone-assance. when he, I ca- love that. when he came back and he did the Rocky Balboa movie, it was absolutely amazing. That Rocky Balboa film was, was incredible. And, uh, I feel like he's, you know, he's, we've got a guy here who's tying up like, uh, some of the loose ends of his career and, and making rights where there were some wrongs in those final films. You know, Rocky Five was terrible and that was touted as the last Rocky movie and he came back and he made it right because Rocky Five was a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Deadline had a story. It was titled, guys, I don't know if you read this this week, but this is one of my most, this this fucking story, I I loved it. Elizabeth Banks to star in and produce Paramount Players Pick on the day a Wyoming hotel maid won a dream date with Prince. Okay, Prince for real? Yes, this is a based on a fucking true story. The singer Prince. Jesus Christ, what do I have to do? Do I have to fucking like? tase you guys to get you excited about anything jesus christ oh my god paramount players has optioned chris lee's daily beast story when prince made a chambermaid his queen for a day elizabeth banks plans to star in queen for a day the studio staged win a date with prince an mtv contest in which the 10,000th caller won a date with the rock star Actually, more than a date, the studio would stage a premiere of Prince's film in the winner's hometown, followed by a concert top-lined by Prince and the Revolution. MTV was doing this kind of stuff. I'm going to finish this story here in a second. I, I want to read the rest of it. MTV was doing a lot of this stuff back in the day where you'd like win a contest and have a mm-hmm. band play at your house here in Washington, Illinois, which is basically like an hour and a half away from me. I used to live near Washington, Illinois. Somebody won. I remember it was like, you could win like Motley Crue would play at your fucking house. Like, and I remember like knowing people that knew the family that won the Motley Crue contest and they had like the whole fucking crew play at their house and shit as a concert, you know, like, you know, Tommy Lee showed up at their fucking house and all this shit, you know, and they, the crew played, you know, they had a barbecue and crazy. So like, here's another MTV contest. The winner was Lisa Barber, a young lady in Sheridan, Wyoming, who cleaned hotels and was a big Motley Crue fan. Holy shit. 
<laughs> the movie is inspired by an article about the Cinderella story date, but the movie will be about how the event changed the lives of two very different women. The Manhattan PR exec responsible for the event's success and the shy, awkward contest winner from Wyoming, whose town becomes the unexpected nexus of all things Prince for one unforgettable night. Prince himself... Well, will not be played by an actor though his presence will hover through the film the film the movie will focus on the herculean effort that went into organizing an event that brought the five foot three purple clad rock icon to a small cowboy town and established his date as a reluctant media sensation as the article implied behind the scenes coke fueled chaos reigned so yeah Mm. we're gonna get a movie here Based, you know, Prince passed away, you know, a couple years ago. And so we're going to get a movie here that's going to tell the story. It's a book. We're going to get a movie here that Elizabeth Banks is going to produce and she's going to star as this woman, Lisa Barber, who won an MTV contest to go out on a date with Prince. And Prince, guys, oh. if, if you don't know, like Prince was a very secretive kind of like, uh, very, uh, you know, kind of secretive guy. Very secretive guy and didn't really like want a lot of his, uh, personal life, uh, out there in the public. I, I'm excited. I can't wait for this. This well, sounds really interesting. I, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that they're not going to cast an actor as Prince because that was my first question. Like, are they going to cast somebody to play Prince in this movie? And it sounds like they're not going to do that. No, they're not. They're, they're his, uh, you're going to feel his presence throughout the film, but you're not actually going to have an actor playing Prince. It's kind of like a Hard Day's Night. I don't think you ever really saw... Did you see the Beatles in that movie, Hard yes. Day's Night? Oh, where yes. It was all about the Ed Sullivan show, but it really wasn't about the Beatles at all. Right. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. I love Elizabeth, I love Elizabeth Banks. I think she's fantastic i think she's great i think she's a great director mm-hmm. me too uh, i i think she's great what a great uh what a great idea for a movie you know they're doing a supergirl movie we talked about that last mm-hmm. week i want elizabeth banks to fucking direct that supergirl movie like that no, would be amazing nobody that that's who i want as my director for a supergirl movie but um i wanted to play this scott i know you got to leave soon you you let me know when you got to leave but i wanted to play got this it. Back in um, years ago, I'm a, I'm a big Chicago Bulls fan, but um, years ago there was a player on the Bulls, Carlos Boozer, and uh, <laughs> he uh, rented out his house while he was gone, and um, the guy who rented out his house was Prince, and I want to play this audio because like. When the Bulls organization talked about this story when I was watching games, they couldn't – Carlos signed a non-disclosure agreement and he couldn't talk about it, about when Prince rented out his house. And he couldn't talk about it. Now that Prince has passed away, Carlos Boozer was able to talk about when Prince rented out his house from him. And I want to play this audio because it is absolutely incredible. Are you guys Ready? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Here we go. Just looking to the lens. What's up, y'all? I'm Carlos Boozer, and I'm going to tell y'all a story. So back in 2004, 2005, 
I just signed with Utah Jazz, and I was looking for a house to live in in L.A. I came across this massive estate that was in Bel Air. Had about 10, 12 bedrooms. I wanted to buy it, so I did. My season was about to start up in Utah, so I'm flying back out to Utah, and my agent, she's hitting me up about all these people that want to rent my house out, and I'm saying no. And she said, listen, this one client really wants your, really wants to rent your house out for the year, and he'll give you 95 grand a month. And I was like, 95 grand a month? Like, is that a, is that a typo? Is that an error? So that convinced me. So I fly back to L.A. to sign the paperwork on a day off, and uh, you won't believe who it was. Prince. You know, when doves cry, purple rain. You know, he's one of the godfathers of music. And I can't believe it's Prince because I'm obviously a huge fan. We come up with an agreement, and uh, I go back to Utah. A few months later, I tear my hamstring, and I'm like, man, um, I got to go get some rehab. So I fly back to L.A., and I hit up I hit up P, and I said, P, I'm about to come by the house. Just check it out. If you need anything, let me know. I go to the street where my house is at, and I pull up, and I, I go to what I think is the property, and I'm like, this is my house. I'm, I know I haven't spent much time here, but this don't look like my house. So I type in the, the, the passcode to the gate, and it opens up right away. So as I'm driving up the long driveway to my house, there was this big purple rug that was going from the motor court area all the way up to the front door. And I'm like, what the f- is going on? I walk in the house. Let me just tell you what he did. Took all of my furniture out, everything that I put in the house. He took the carpet out, put in some black carpet in some areas, put purple carpet in some other areas. He put his picture everywhere. I mean, there's a picture of Prince in every room. He turned my, my weight room into a nightclub. Literally had a DJ booth. Wicked, wicked. He turned one of my guest rooms into a hair salon. Another room next to that, he made into a massage parlor. Um, he did. A, he had a purple heart-shaped mirror that was in the bathroom as well. I'm really upset because this was not part of the agreement that you can change around the crib, make alterations to it. So I'm trying to get a hold of him, call him, calling him, calling him. I'm not getting a hold of him. My lawyer's like, if you want to sue him, we can file the paperwork today. And who, do you really want to sue Prince? Nobody really wants to sue Prince. And so out of nowhere, I get a call like at three in the morning and it's P and he goes, hey, booze, listen, I'm so sorry I've been on tour. I'm in, I'm in Asia. Don't worry about anything. When I move out, when the lease is over and I move out, the house will look like I was never there. As he moves out and I come check the property to make sure everything is cool, nothing's broken, it was like he was never there. I think he wanted the house to feel like his every time he stepped in it. That's why he wanted to spend a year in L.A. to make, I think it was the 3121 album. Prince was an amazing man. I still can't believe he's not with us. Because he rented the property out, you know, I bought it for 8.6. Because he rented it out, I was able to sell it for 12.4. Crazy story, bro. But completely true. Isn't that nuts? Wow. So I used to live in Chanhassen, Minnesota, many, many years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paisley Park is in Chanhassen, Minnesota. Prince lived in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So... His house, we—if you didn't know where it was, you would never see it because it was deep. It, you know, wasn't on the road. It was like in this lot behind this massive woods, um, and there was a guard station, purple fucking guard station. Uh, I slowed down going by it once. I'm like, I think this is Prince House. Look down, his house. I shit you not, looked like a big purple castle <laughs> with like turrets and 
everything. Mm-hmm. The guy was fucking nuts, but he was also incredibly talented. Yeah. Um, and and I can't wait for this movie now that you've talked about it. For one reason, I, that movie's going to be full of Prince music, man. Oh yeah, and that's yeah. going to just rock. Well, the thing Prince uh, opened like a kind of like a club or a restaurant in Minnesota. Yes, and uh, what he would do is he wouldn't even be there, but he would have them park every once in a while. They would park a purple Harley Davidson out front, just so people would think that he might be there. Just to draw more of a crowd. <laughs> he had a private loft in that club. I can't remember the name of the club. It was like Club 8 or whatever. He had a private loft. Yeah. And the room, and, and they had people, I shit you not, they had people that um, would dress up kind of like him, but you couldn't see, right? They could, you couldn't like see that it was him or not because it was way up there and it was dark and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you couldn't get up there unless you had a pass and, you know, and whatnot, and that was the deal. You'd go there and you'd look to see if you couldn't see a glimpse of Prince, and nine times out of ten it was just some short guy they hired, put a wig on him, and a purple, you know, robe and shit. That's <laughs> it's smart though. Jeez. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that club was hot. That was that that was the place to be for a long, long time. And I was going to college. That's where that's where you wanted to be. Um and um the scenery was fantastic. It was it was just a really fun place to be. Um Honestly, guys, like that's I, I really wanted to talk about that Prince story. There's another story here that I wanted to talk about real quick. It's uh, from Deadline. Uh, the American History X director Tony Kay is wanting to hire artificial intelligence as an actor as a lead in his next film called Second Born. Have you heard about this? No. 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 Yeah, this uh the director Tony K, the director for American History X is wanting to actually hire artificial intelligence like real artificial intelligence to act in his film called Second Born, which is the sequel to First Born, which is a movie starring Val Kilmer, Tom Berenger, Greg Grunberg, uh, Billy Baldwin, Denise Richards, and he's wanting to, I think it's just a stunt, like a gimmick, kind of like. Yeah, that's what yeah. it sounds like to me. Yeah. And, but he's wanting to get the robot, the, he's wanting to get the robot Screen Actors Guild recognition. Which makes me think it's even more of a stunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> to get SAG recognition, that's insane for artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, this is just like, yeah, that's, it, it has to be just a stunt here to, to get more attention to his film. Are we that far with artificial intelligence too? You know what I mean? I, like, Dude, have you seen yeah. AlphaGo? There's a documentary on Netflix called AlphaGo. No, I have not seen that. You need to watch that documentary. It's, it's all about this game called Go, which is the game they play on Counterpo- um, uh, Counterpoint. Or what, I can't. I brought it up. I'm already losing my mind. Uh, J.K. They, Simmons Counterpart. Yes, yeah, Counterpart. Exactly. Okay. And um, so they developed this AI to play Go. By the way, there's like 
four trillion different combinations in this game, which is why it's so beloved in the in you know in East Asia and whatnot. Uh, and they have a best out of five match with the <clears throat> world champion player of Go against this uh, computer program AlphaGo. It'll blow your fucking mind. You got to watch it. I'm it's- in really good i'm intrigued by i've always been intrigued by artificial intelligence and um robots and and all that stuff ever since i was a kid and i don't know i you know like i see like you know like the honda asimo robot the way it walks have you ever seen that have you ever watched the videos of honda asimo yeah 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 it's it's it, oh my god it's just unreal it's absolutely unreal to watch these videos and uh i don't know it for him you know i've got my alexa oh shit she heard me you you're lighting oh, up no. aren't you <laughs> you're lighting up aren't you? i saw you over there you're gonna tell me you don't understand though right anyway um but yeah, to to actually cast artificial intelligence as a, as an actor in a film, that's kind of be that's got to be like a, a slap in the face to like a real actor, though, right? And then to try to get him like <laughs> SAG recognition—that's ridiculous. Yeah. It might be better than uh, Mile Twenty Two. You never know. It's a stunt. <laughs> it's a stunt. It's just a stunt to get your movie out there. That's all I think mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Scott, all I've got left is, is, is DC news and then I want to talk about Star Wars Resistance. Are you good or you gotta go? I'm gonna need to bounce. I've got, I got meetings starting at 7 a.m. Right. Otherwise, you, otherwise I'd hang. I mean, it's been a great show. It's been a great discussion about potatoes. I've got my, uh, my uh, marker here that you can use to draw dicks on my, my face when, uh, when <laughs> I'm done. So we should be good. And, uh, yeah. It's awesome. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Scott's always the guy at the sleepover that passes out early, and you got to draw a dick on his face because he goes to bed so early. Right? I, I'm bringing my own markers now, so you don't even have to go look for them. I know you're, you even like you've even like like got the color coded and shit to like let That's us right. know. It's like it's ridiculous, Scott. You're just today per- is purple for uh, Prince, so you can go ahead and purple dick. <laughs> I, I like that, man. That's a sweet sentiment. It is. It is. All right. We'll love you guys. I, I do need to. I need to do that. I do need to bounce, but uh, we'll we'll be in touch. All right, man. You get you get you get the sleep, you old man. <laughs> I am an old man. I can't believe it. I turned forty. It's so sad. You have no idea. Yeah, oh, I'm just gonna sit and cry, and I'm gonna sit and cry in the corner on my birthday this year. I'm just gonna sit and cry. <laughs> One more, one more, one more day closer to being in the I, fucking graves where I, I am. I'm so no, don't say oh, that. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you That's exactly how it is. God damn it! Stop. You know, I like a good laugh just like anybody else, and like you know, <laughs> but that's that's dark. <laughs> it's true. Wait till you get here. You'll be like, you'll no. be calling me up, going, "Was it that bad for you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it yeah it's worse. all it's all fun talking about like getting old and shit." But like when when I'm when we're talking about like one of my favorite people in the world dying, like stop it, knock it off. Oh, no, I'm, hey, I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna die tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? But it is uh, in the brochure. I'm just saying, it's I know in the very back, <laughs> the brochure you get. Yeah, you know, it's didn't true. Did your mom give you the brochure on life? 
It's on the very back. What's page. that book so from you know. Beetlejuice? Right? You know huh? what I'm talking? That book in Beetlejuice that they're That's right. given. Absolutely. Yeah. Didn't you read it? Yeah. Scott, get up, get the fuck out of here. Get the bed. All right. All right. Here's my purple pen. We'll talk to you later. Later on, man. Bye. Later. Hi. Later, dude. <clears throat> All right. Let's see here. So let's, uh, let's move on into, uh, DC news. All right. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. One story I want to go over. What's all this noise? What's going on? What was that? There's a lot of fucking noise going on in the background. What is that noise? Not here. Mm, I'm sitting perfectly still. I bullshit. I promise. I'm calling. I'm. I'm that's denial from Philip Gia. <laughs> that's dude. That is totally you, buddy. There's some. Okay. Shit, there's some shit going down on your end, buddy. There's you, some shit going on here. Definitely. You need to get. <laughs> you need to get that shit in check, man. <laughs> 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 uh, Heroic Hollywood is reporting a rumor from CrazyDaysAndNights.com, and that rumor is Warner Brothers has their sights set on Tom Cruise for the role of Green Lantern, but the current script calls for Hal Jordan to die, which Tom Cruise is against. The actor is asking for this part of the script to be changed before he takes the gig. Uh, Tom Cruise's name has surfaced on a short list for the role in the past. The actor was asked earlier this year about taking on his first superhero role, to which he responded enthusiastically with an open mind, not ruling out the possibility that he could join the DC Extended Universe. Green Lantern Corps is currently in development with a script from DC Comics legend Jeff Johns. Official plot details remain under wraps. However, Johns' new production company, Mad Ghost Productions, has confirmed the film will feature the debut of Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, two of the most popular characters to take on the Green Lantern mantle in the current DC Cinematic Universe. So, uh, thoughts on Tom Cruise... As Hal is, Jordan, Green Lantern. Isn't he old? Isn't he too old for it? Is he too old for Green Lantern? For Hal Jordan. Uh, I mean, I, like, like uh, how how old do you want him to be, man? Like 30. How, like, you know, like, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, part of me was thinking, like, maybe he doesn't have to be Hal Jordan. I was thinking Kyle Rayner at first. Mm-hmm. But um, everybody talks about like too old, too old. He doesn't look like he's in his fifties. I'll tell you that much. Tom Cruise looks. <laughs> yeah, like that is that's true. It, he that looks true. like he's drank from the elixir of life. This guy does not look like he's in his fucking fifties. Yeah, yeah. Rebecca, I know you're just chomping at the bit. You hate Tom Cruise. Talk to me. <laughs> Tom Cruise's Green Lantern? Yeah. No. I don't want it. No, he is too old. I think he's too old to play that part. And I don't really like Tom Cruise as an actor. Uh, he's done a lot of really... I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a, I like his early stuff. Um, Get out of here. You haven't even watched fan. his later stuff. Knock it off. I wa- 
watch – oh, no, you knock it off because I told you that I watched that movie that he made. Oh, you um, watched that one movie. American – you watched American, American Made. Yeah. I watched American yeah. Made, and I already had my mind made up about Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> I watched American Made. You know, get out of here. Uh, you, you the, the Tom Cruise haters are the people that you can't, like, if you're not watching all the Tom Cruise, you're not watching the Tom Cruise. <laughs> Listen. I, th- I think he could do it, though. You are, he's, you're, you're, he's, we're losing you, Philip. Bring how it about back. now? Yeah, you're back. You're back. Uh, okay. Um, I don't hate it. I think he could do it. All right. You want to elaborate? Uh, I'm trying to think because I'm also wondering if the Green Lantern ever joins the Justice League. I'm trying to think. Would would Tom Cruise take me out of it? And on the surface, I would say, yes, he might. But having Ben Affleck on the Justice League, that didn't take me out of it. God, if Ben Affleck doesn't take you out of the Justice League, Tom Cruise is not going to take you out of the Justice League. Come that's on. I, yeah, that's what I'm figuring. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't need the pressure. I, Rebecca, I know you're not a fan of Tom Cruise. I get it. I get it. I, I'm not a fan of Tom Cruise. And I mean, we, you and I have had this conversation yeah, separately, but it, the idea that I have a really hard time separating all the terrible shit that he's done in his real life to other people from his acting career. And so that when movies of his come out, and I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he doesn't make good movies. He obviously does. They make a lot of money and people go and see them and all that. I just not impulsed to go watch them. That's the God's honest truth. I'm not impulsed to go watch them. Well, you're, you're you're definitely in the minority because the guy is, I am. I know that I am, but I did watch American made. Um, and I believe that you had, I think you Tupperware it. You, you raved about that movie. As I recall, Yeah, it was a great movie. Um, I got bored halfway through with that movie, and that was just me. I've seen Tom Cruise do good stuff. I just I'm I have a hard time separating his real life from the movies, and I'm not impulsed to see him in a movie. I see. I don't. I mean, I I, I view him as one of the uh, best living actors that we have on the planet. To be quite honest with you, I think he's fantastic um, as an actor. I I you know I mean. It's I I can name bad movies that he's in, but I can't tell you that he was bad in that movie. Right. I think that mm-hmm. he's I think that he's a I think he's a great actor and it's like I I don't know. I think I understand like why people are saying this like they don't want Tom Cruise in a green as Green Lantern. I understand it. I get it. But honestly at the end of the day, it's like I I don't know. I think, uh, I think he could, I think he'd be great in the role. I'd rather see him as Kyle Rayner than Hal Jordan though. Mm-hmm. I could see him as Kyle Rayner, like this, you know, comic book artist that becomes the Green Lantern and, you know, that's what I would want to see. And it's like, you know, so- and I get that people want to see Idris Elba as Jon Stewart, but like he's 51 too. 
he's 51. You know, Tom Cruise is maybe 54, 55. They're both in their 50s. So if if you're telling me that I'm going to get Tom Cruise, let's say this happens, dreamcasting here. Tom Cruise and Idris Elba are going to be Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. Like, if I'm the studio, I'm thrilled. Like, I, yeah. I would to see those guys together and then also to get, like, Henry Cavill reunited with Tom Cruise after, like, the amazing job that they did in Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, uh. I don't know. Ben Affleck as Batman takes me out way more than fucking Tom Cruise as Green Lantern. And, I, you know, who do you want as Green Lantern? I I don't know. Like, who do you want? I could see – I guess I could say Army Hammer would be, like, my second choice. Army Hammer, yeah. I would love because he's he is younger. If you want to go for that younger guy, but mm. I don't know. I think people dismissing Tom Cruise and like because he's a bad actor. I think you're out of your goddamn mind. I think you're fucking crazy if you think Tom Cruise is a bad actor. You're fucking right. you're fucking out of your mind. Mm-hmm. And he would bring an intensity to the character, which I think the character needs, especially after the 2011 movie. Yeah, the the like, 2011 movie was basically uh in response to Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah, and that was DC's first attempt to kickstart a DCU. It was. It was. Yeah. And then when they Yeah, you're absolutely right. I felt I I feel like Green Lantern was definitely a response to like what the MCU was doing with the uh, with Iron Man. It really mm-hmm. felt like that. And uh Yeah. Can't really blame Ryan Reynolds. I think Ryan Reynolds did the best that he could. It was just the story. You had like the whole Hot Wheels fucking green. Uh-huh. And that villain was terrible. And But like Mark Strong as Sinestro was pretty damn good. That he was. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just learned a couple of weeks ago that they originally wanted to have Henry Cavill cameo as Superman. In the Green Lantern. In the Green Lantern? Oh, in the... Wait, he wasn't even cast back then, though. Uh, I heard... Or it was, like, during reshoots that they wanted to have some, like, quick... Uh, Maybe Brandon... Okay, Superman didn't come out until 2013, and that Green Lantern movie came out in 2011. Mm Mm-hmm. There's no way... Henry Cavill wasn't even cast as Superman at that time, man. So whatever report you're reading is bunk. Okay. Okay. Unless they, so. unless they were talking about Brandon Routh. I mean, that doesn't make mm. sense to me to have. If you're talking about Henry Cavill showing up in the Green Lantern Ryan Reynolds film, it's like yeah. impossible, dude. Okay. Okay. Maybe. I must have heard wrong. So, I don't know. It sounds like a bunk report, if anything. Rebecca, mm-hmm. I know you're few. I I want to hear from you because you're fuming about this. You're not. I'm, I get it. I mean, I don't. I'm in the minority here. As far as like comic book fans, I'm in the minority. Most people do not want to see Tom Cruise as the Green Lantern, and I get it. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I'd be totally against it. I actually think that like Tom Cruise would be a damn good get for the WB at this point, and it's not. Ben Affleck. I'd rather see Ben Affleck behind the camera doing like a Batman movie or whatever than I would mm-hmm. actually seeing Ben Affleck in the role. I can't tell you that I've seen Tom Cruise 
like even the mummy the mummy was a bad movie but it wasn't tom cruise's fault in my opinion tom cruise gave it his all in that film he's the best part of that movie i just think mm-hmm. that you have like you, you just got you have like personal kind of thing with Tom Cruise. I get it. I get it. I have a personal thing with certain actors too. So and, and that yeah, that's fine. But like what what I'm saying is that what I, I'm not impulsed to go see his movies. So what I have seen of his movies, and I I've seen all his early stuff. I think the early stuff is a lot of fun. Um, but I've also seen his the first three Mission Impossible movies, right? Which I mean. <sighs> The three Mission Impossible movies that I saw him in, those movies to me are two hours of stunts shoved in as much stunts as you can shove into a two hour movie. And I don't see Tom Cruise's acting ability in that is what I'm saying, because especially you look at the third movie. I mean, and I get it. He doesn't he doesn't write the movie. So if he's given a stupid script to do, he has to do the script. But I don't see him as like a this amazing actor that you do. I see him as a really good stunt man. I see him as a guy who takes like these action adventures. Uh, you're you're focusing way too much on the fact that this guy has a passion for stunts and I also think that that I, that has something to do with like his uh love for this craft that he actually wants to do the stunts that he wants to take it to that next level. Like that's like Steve McQueen doing like his own stunts back in the day, which was like really respectful and really awesome to the craft. Like you gotta like watch his performance in Magnolia. His performance in Magnolia is absolutely fantastic. And like, I'm not a big fan of that movie, but his performance is absolutely amazing. His performance in Tropic Thunder, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just, like, pigeonholing him as just, like, oh, he does stunts in these movies. He's just a stunt guy. He can't act for shit. Like, I'm not – I am not going to sit here and say, yeah, I agree with that <laughs> at all. Like, I respect your opinion, but, like, on the flip side, like, like Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise is – I think he's like one of the last, like you've got actors that are like Robert Redford. Like these guys were like, you know, these were names. Like these were guys that were like A-list actors that like pulled in an audience. Tom Cruise is one of the last of those actors that actually has like an A-list kind of like celebrity to him that has done it for as long as he has. 30 plus Mm -hmm. years. Brad Pitt has been around since I think Brad Pitt's been kind of like a big name probably since like sometime in the mid nineties, maybe even late nineties. I know he started off doing like some bullshit. He started off actually with a role in like Growing Pains, and then like just like a like a like a one one episode. Then he did that movie Cool World, and then he did the Thelma and Louise. But like right. even, even Brad Pitt hasn't been doing it as long as Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is like you're. Um, we're talking like thirty plus years in the business, and this guy is still doing it. Risky business, fucking um, all the right moves. Um, trying to think, what was the movie that he did with Paul Newman? The pool, the where he was the pool shark. That I love that movie. Color of Money. Color of Money. Thank you. Which was was a sequel to an original Paul Newman movie. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise has just been. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's been doing it for over 30 years. I 
I, I think that, I think, I don't know. I think he's one of the last kind of like real legit actors that we have out there. And you mm-hmm. can, and like, like, I loved The Revenant. I thought it was a great movie, but on the flip side, like, did Leo really deserve the Oscar that year or was it the fact that he put his body through those conditions to film that stuff? Right? Well, no, no, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna disagree with you on that one because I, when you watch The Revenant and you see how Leo is conveying every emotion that he's feeling with there are scenes where he doesn't say a word he could barely talk because of the injury to his throat you, that that I, I disagree with you on that one 100% oh i'm that not saying i'm not hey hold on on that I, i'm not no it's like i'm basically what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to compare your basically you saying like oh tom cruise is just a stunt guy like a glorified stunt guy and i can also say well if you want to put it out there, like Leonardo DiCaprio just put himself into some like horrific weather conditions where he's in freezing conditions. And are we going to take that away from Leo? Because, you know, did he really act his ass off in that movie or did he just put himself through some like really horrific, you know, weather conditions where like freezing cold and, and all this stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't think of Tom Cruise as just like a glorified stunt guy. I think like there's a lot more to him as an actor than just like, I'm going to do these movies and the mission impossible movies are just about stunt work. It's just, he's just a basically, you know, just a stunt man at this point. I think there's a lot more about Tom Cruise other than his looks that are compelling. Like I used to hate Brad Pitt. And then I was like, you know what? Why do I hate him? Oh, it's because he's good looking. But then I was like, fuck, he's also a goddamn good actor. And I was just, I gave up. I was just like, this guy's a really good, really good actor. And I, I feel like Tom Cruise, as far as like the Scientology is crazy. I don't agree with that stuff. I, I don't agree with like, you know, some of the stuff that he's done in past relationships, but I can't deny that the guy's a goddamn good actor. He's, a, he's a really good fucking actor. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of like where I'm coming from. I'm trying to look okay. at it in, in, I don't know. I, you need to, I don't know. I don't think like, I think you just have a bad taste in your mouth for him. And I get that. And when you watch him, that just, that's what resonates with you. Am I right or am I wrong? No, no, I do have a bad taste in my mouth. But when you look back at his early stuff, when you look back at when he was in Rain Man, when he was in, uh, Born on the 4th of July when he was even in Far and Away. There's a lot of, there's a lot of acting going on there. There's a lot of emoting. There's a lot of feeling in the, those performances. There, there, there isn't, there, there isn't the Mission Impossible movies too. I mean, there I, really I, is. You, you're just saying like it's, it's basically just a stunt movie, but like there's, there's romance involved in those movies. There's, there's tension involved in those movies. You've got a guy who's basically like, he's given up the fa- he's given up like the woman that he loves so that he can save the entire world to do like the, these missions. And yes, like he could, I guess he could just, I, I guess he could just act in those movies, but on the flip side, he's also doing stunts and going out of his way to like, to do that on the flip I, side. He's got like a taste I, for danger. I, 
I get that. But in the first three, and I, I've only seen the first three Mission Impossible movies, so I can't speak anything beyond that. But in the first three Mission Impossible movies, that same caliber of acting is not there for me. I wish I could see what you see. Like, it's it's not there for me. It's over. If it's there, it's overwhelmed by all the, the stunts and the action. If he, if he, if Tom Cruise put out a movie tomorrow that was like all him, like emoting and acting with minimal action, like I, I would be interested to see that movie. Show me that. Still got that quality that I fell in love with back in the eighties and nineties, and I just don't see it in the recent ones that I have seen. I mean, you, uh, the uh, Mission Impossible three was nearly fifteen years ago, so I mean, you need to watch like Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout uh, if you're going to get into that. And then also on the flip side, like you know, Jack Ryan, the first uh, Jack Reacher, excuse me, the first one was phenomenal film. The second one, not so much. Collateral, the role that he played, collateral. you know, yeah. opposite of Jamie Fox, what a fucking amazing performance. From Tom yeah. Cruise and Collateral, what an amazing movie! War of the Worlds was uh, was an incredible film. That's a Steven Spielberg, you know, War of the Worlds film. I, I thought I thought Tom Cruise was great. I think I I mean I can I I try to separate the way I feel about like some of the personal stuff as long as it doesn't get into like you know like I am so thrilled that. Uh, What's his face? Um, what's the actor's name? I can't. Kevin Spacey, his new movie. Do you know how much it made? Uh, Billionaire Boys Club that just came out. It yeah. Made, it made a hundred and twenty-six dollars. A hundred and twenty-six dollars. It was released in twelve theaters, I believe, and it made a hundred and twenty-six dollars. Anybody that you know who has like uh, made advances on like a young child, and we don't know mm-hmm. like what he got away with back in the day. Anybody who's made advances towards a young child, like, you're a piece of shit. I have a niece and nephew, and if anybody ever touched them, like, I, mm-hmm. I just want my niece and nephew to grow up in a world where they don't have to, any, where somebody has to touch them inappropriately and, like, that affect them for the rest of their lives. You know, like, Kevin Spacey's a piece of shit for even, like, putting the moves on, like, that that actor that came out later on. And said, like, yeah, he tried something with me when I was 14, 15, or 16, or whatever it was. Like, that's fucked up. But, like, Tom Cruise is just, yeah, the guy is, you know, he's off his fucking rocker. But as far as certain things are concerned. But I think, like, um, as far as his acting ability, I can't, I can't question that. Um, and Rebecca, like, that's the thing. Like, you... I, uh, I, I get it. I can't, I can't tell you. Like, you gotta, you gotta love Tom Cruise. It's subjective. And like, that's, you know, that's your opinion. Like, some people, like, love certain actors and some people don't. Like, or directors. Like, I'm not a fan of Neil Blomkamp. We talked about him earlier tonight, but some people love Neil Blomkamp. Some people are diehard Neil Blomkamp fans and will love anything that he does. So, I get it. I get it. I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> Did I lose everything? Tom, actor, he, I mean, my favorite Tom Cruise performance 
has always been an interview with a vampire. Oh, God. Yeah, as Lestat? As Lestat, Oh, yeah. my God, yeah. And I'd heard that uh, when Anne Rice, who also wrote the screenplay, when she found out that he was cast, um, she did everything in her power to keep him away from the movie. But once she saw his performance, I think it was in a New Orleans newspaper. She took out um, a full ad, a full page ad in the newspaper um, apologizing for not believing in him and praising his performance in that. See, that's the thing. It's like, I, I think like right now it's, it's easy for people to say, no, I do not want Tom Cruise as Green Lantern. His name is recognizable and it's easy to, to say no to that. But like part of me is intrigued. I don't know if it's the right decision to make. I can't tell you. I think Army Hammer would probably be like the safest choice in my opinion. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think like who could play like, you know, John Stewart at this point. I don't know. I mean, if you're wanting to do the DCEU for many years going forward, I don't know if Idris Elba is like the best choice at this point. He is 51. Tom Cruise is in his fifties. Like if you're wanting to do this for years down the road, I don't know if those guys are the best choice, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just can't see myself turning my nose up to Tom Cruise playing this role. That's just me. I know, I know I'm in the minority. I know most fans are just like, now, fuck Tom Cruise. I don't want Tom Cruise in that role. I get it. I'm in the minority here. So, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, are you there? Yeah, of course I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> who would you cast as uh as Hal Jordan and who would you oh, cast gosh. if you had your choice? If you had your choice. I'm so I feel like I've I feel like I've been beating you up and I feel terrible. That's Be- all right. No, punch it's me fine. right back. <laughs> punch me back. Uh, <laughs> you're not beating me up. That's Call fine. me the Scientology loving fuckhead. Oh god, I you're so not. <laughs> I know you're not. Um <laughs> Gosh, who would I cast? I don't know. I, I love the Army Hammer idea. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit safe, but I do love that idea. Army Hammer um, was originally uh, George Miller. When George Miller was going to do the Justice mm-hmm. League back in 2007, Army Hammer was the guy that they had cast as Batman when George Miller was going to direct the Justice League over a decade ago. So. Wow. That's interesting. I remember when they – Posted the picture on Facebook of the original Justice League. Mm-hmm. And they also had, um. Was it Common? Green- hmm? Was Common cast in it? I believe Common was cast. Yes, I forget who he was, but they also had, um. Martian Manhunter. Yeah. That photo too. They did. They did. And they had, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it Adam Brody? Adam Brody, yeah. Was the Flash. Ash. Yeah. Yep. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rebecca, you uh, Hal Jordan, you don't know? I don't. It's a I, tough one. Gosh. I mean, I do like the Army Hammer idea. I really do. Um, for John Stewart, I mean, as much as I would love Idris Elba because I think he's really good. Yeah. 
Um, I, I mean, if we're going to talk about age, then yeah, he is too old to play, although he doesn't look 51. Doesn't. Um, no. I mean, I could say something, uh, like, I don't know, cast, um, oh, jeez. Oh, shit. What's his name? Oh. God damn it. He was just in, he was just in the Han Solo movie and played Lando Calrissian. Oh, Donald Glover. Glover. Why did I blank on his name? I'm sorry. I I could say something like like that, which, you know, everybody would just say Donald Glover because he's like the hot guy right now in Hollywood. Um, I I don't know. Like, I I kind of like them to maybe think a little bit outside the box and maybe cast a net, like look for an unknown and or somebody who's just – and I don't know that much about the character for me to talk too much about it, but um, I, I kind of like them to go with somebody maybe not so established, somebody somebody new. If if you want to bring Green Lantern into the Justice League, you've got all yeah. these big names in the Justice League. Yeah. Like, I mean, if if Ben Affleck sticks around, who knows? Uh, uh, Gal Gadot is there. You've got um, yeah. you've got. Um, Henry Cavill as Superman, if he sticks around, I, I kind of like them to get somebody a little less known. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. Throw and throw him in there. You know, see, that's the thing, and that that's the issue that we run into is uh, if they get that lesser known actor that we haven't heard about, or has been in limited things, we get to see what they can do. They're kind of like the unknown, right? Like Ray Fisher is Cyborg, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. He was an actor on Broadway. Nobody knew anything about fucking Ray Fisher. That's the baggage that Tom Cruise has when you cast him as Green Lantern, right? Either you like Tom Cruise or you don't like Tom Cruise. And that's the baggage. That's that's the backlash that you're going to get from fans. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. See, the thing is, though, if they cast Tom Cruise as Green Lantern, that's going to get my mom's attention. <laughs> Right? My mom. Sure. My mom will not give a shit about a fucking Green Lantern Corps movie. But the the minute they fucking cast Tom Cruise as Hal Jordan, like that'll get my mom talking. That'll get, that gets people talking. It does get people. Absolutely. And that's what they tried with Ben. That's what they tried with Ben Affleck. And for me, I know some people love the Ben Affleck Batman. For me, it failed. I think like, yeah, it looks good. Like when they do him, when they have him doing like the action shit, but he doesn't mm-hmm. act like Batman. He doesn't act like the detective that I want. Anyway, all right, I'm yammering on. I'm yammering. We're done. Um, <laughs> last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is uh, Star Wars news. Yeah, whatever. There's a insert bumper here. Um, we got the trailer for the new Star Wars Resistance TV show coming out to the Disney Channel on October 7th. Uh, it's a one-hour premiere. Did you guys watch the Resistance trailer? I have not yet. Rebecca? I did. I did. What'd you think? I liked it. I liked it a whole lot. Um, I mean, there. Are, I hear people online complaining about the animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I don't know. It doesn't bother me per se. Um, it's got that really neat, like anime look to it. Um, look like uh, Robotech or Voltron to me. Yeah, I was just about to say Voltron. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't mind this animation. I I like the idea that they're just trying to update it a little bit here. Um, 
but these are probably the same people who are complaining about the She-Ra animation looking different and, um, you know, uh, and she's not, you know, she's not sexual enough and blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I thought it was really good. Um, I give it a high taste. I like this animation style personally. Um, I get why people don't i suppose but i i don't know i liked it i didn't mind the animation either it's like uh you know it's uh, yeah the it, it's got that cell shading look and some people don't like that and and uh it's not like the clone wars animation or the rebels animation that we're used to that computer graphics stuff uh, mm-hmm. but uh i loved the way it looked when uh the different uh star wars ships were flying and blasting off i thought it looked really cool um we get uh let me talk about the trailer a little bit we get our main character is kazuda or kaz he's a young pilot he's recruited into the resistance during the era of the new republic in a period of cold war that we saw the emergence of the first order uh, Kazuto was tasked by the resistance with a secret mission to learn more about the threat posed by the first order and to find out who is loyal to the resistance. And, um, in the trailer, of course, uh, they're basically saying that BB eight is going to be just kind of like a cameo appearance, but I'm hearing that BB eight is going to show up a lot more throughout the series. And, um, so I don't know. Uh, Love BB-8, so we're going to get some BB-8 in this one. We're getting Poe Dameron, which is actually voiced by Oscar Isaac. We're getting oh, uh, Gwendolyn Christie uh, coming back as Captain Phasma. This takes in takes place in between A New Hope and The Force Awakens. So this is going to kind of fill in a little bit of that gap. So we're getting Oscar Isaac, who's actually going to voice Poe Dameron, and then Gwendolyn Christie, who's going to voice Captain Phasma in this. Um Sorry, Brian, excuse me. Does it take place, you said, between, is it Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens? I'm drunk. Return of the Jedi. (laughs) No, honestly, it takes place between A New Hope and uh, The Force Awakens, too. I'm not wrong. It takes place between A New Hope. No, if you're going to get all fucking, like, nerdy with me and shit. Yeah. nailed down this timeline. No, I'm I've, I'm on my fucking sixth beer. Give me a goddamn break. You're right. No, thank you for calling oh. me out. Somebody else would have. Yeah, it takes place between Return of the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens. Is this series supposed to be, like, chronicling the rise of the First Order? Really, it's it's about – it's basically – it's, it's a spy story. It's a spy okay. story, and you've got this – character of Kazuda Zayano who's basically going to try to find out who is loyal to the resistance and who's a threat in the first order. So I think the first order's already been kind of established. Yeah. And so he's trying to find out who's loyal to the resistance and who's not. And uh it all centers around these these races. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna be playing this racer but on the flip side, he's got a mission where he's going to try to figure out who's loyal to the resistance and who's not. And um, we're going to find, like, the different aliens that we saw in this trailer, those all look to be a part of his pit crew. And yeah. um, the one-hour premiere titled The Recruit, Poe and BB-8 assign newly appointed spy Kaz to the Colossus, a massive aircraft refueling platform 
So basically, the Colossus is this is uh, uh, like where ships go to refuel. So it's like a refueling station. Uh, it's on an outer rim water planet, home to colorful new aliens, droids, and creatures. While undercover Kaz works as a mechanic and lives with Poe's old friend Jaeger, a veteran pilot who operates a starship repair shop run by his crew, Tam, Niku, and their old battered astromech droid Bucket. So uh, Kaz soon finds himself in over his head with his new friend BB-8, as he'll have to complete in dangerous sky races, keep his mission a secret from his newfound family, and avoid the danger of the First Order. I feel like Jaeger, who we saw in this trailer, kind of knows about his mission. That character says, like, hey, like, I will teach you everything about racing, but I don't know when, I don't want to know anything about your spy mission. And the rest of his crew seem kind of like oblivious to this. Uh, these sky races look like, uh, those look like they can be a lot of fun. That's where I think the animation really shined. The cell shading animation is yeah, really going to shine. I agree. Yeah, it looked really good. Like seeing some of these ships kind of like blast off and like flying through like these different rings. You know, that looks like a lot of fun. And um, I don't know. Did this feel like it was going to be set like going to be for a younger audience than even the Rebels audience, Rebecca? I don't know at this point because I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it does feel very youthful. Like um, you know, kind of. I mean, kind of like with Voltron, especially like like with the newer Voltron. That's, I feel like that's definitely geared to a uh, to a younger audience. Um, I, I kind of feel like this could be geared to a younger audience. Maybe the idea that um, maybe the kids that were too little to watch Rebels can now watch this show and then graduate to Rebels if they want to do that, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's kind of how it felt to me. I feel like the animation is does lend itself to um, a very younger audience. And then the fact that he's also like a – I mean, he's like racing, you know, uh, starships. It's it's – it's very, uh, it's very appealing, like to a to a younger generation. I think, I think hardcore Star Wars fans will watch it no matter what. Yeah. Um. But I, I think this absolutely is to draw in younger, younger viewers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. It's like, uh, that's what Rebels did too. It started off that way, and then like as the audience grew older, the show kind of matured, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Dave Filoni is the creator of this, but like he kind of passed this off. He, he, uh, said resistance is a bit different in that I'm not on that day to day. I created and set it in motion, but I've given that to other people to raise up people that I've worked with a long time who I think deserve the opportunity to tell stories. And I think that. It's exciting, and I and I give them my thoughts and notes. I was just doing that this morning, like George would give me. So that's fun. So basically, Dave Filoni, he's busy doing the new Star Wars: The Clone Wars series that they're going to be coming out with the Disney streaming, with like the you know finishing off the the Clone Wars, you know. And mm-hmm. so he's busy doing that. So he's kind of like handed this off to some other people, but um, yeah, I. I don't know. I'm. I, that's the thing I, I'm trying to figure out here, Rebecca. Is like, is this, is this made for younger children? Like, even kids that are younger than 
that would get into rebels because like I couldn't figure that <laughs> I couldn't figure yeah. that out. I, I I think that's I think that that's very smart of Disney marketing here to leave it very ambiguous mm-hmm. because I think uh, absolutely the hardcore Star Wars fans will watch this, and I also think that it looks innocuous enough that parents would let their kids watch it. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. the I think the marketing is kept that way to leave you a little bit wondering here. Um, and maybe this show will grow as its viewers grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that just makes sense to me. I think that's where, I think that's where cartoons, um, and animated shows will always excel if they take into account that their audience will grow. And so as their audience ages, the show should age and it should have, themes that are a little bit older by the end of it. And so if that's what this is going to be the same thing, then it would be smart for it to grow as, as the audience grows with it. That's what Harry Potter did, you know, over the years. Yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what rebels did. It surely matured. Um, Kaz's ship, uh, he, we see his yellow ship. If you, if you do a close up on that ship, it has a Naboo starfighter painted on the side of it. So, Makes me wonder, like, is Kaz himself from is Kaz from Naboo, or or is the ship from Naboo? So, I don't know. It might have some ties here to the prequels, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, watch that trailer again. Kaz's ship. If you look at the side of it, it has a Naboo starfighter painted on the side of it. That's um, neat. Makes me also wonder, like, are we going to get any pod racing in this series? Like, we're dealing with racing in general. Are we going to get any pod racing in this? I would not be surprised if we get pod racing. I would also not be surprised, like, in this time, if we ever get uh, any Han Solo cameos in this series. We we know that mm. we're getting General Leia. We're get, we're going to get Leia Organa in this series. Uh, they've cast sure. um, Rachel Butera as General Leia Organa in this series. Uh, Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live is going to be playing a character called Flix and Orca. So he's playing two hmm. characters. I love Bobby Moynihan. Uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, he's great. Donald Faison from Scrubs, is, his character's name is Hype Faison. So <laughs> I love it. They felt like his last name actually fits into the Star Wars universe, so they just kept his last name in there. Hype Faison. Um, yeah, I'm... I am looking forward to this. I, I think that it could be a lot of fun, a spy story with racing involved. It felt like when you were watching this, like that, that girl, that, that, that female racer, like she was also, she was a competitor, but it also felt like she was trying to help him too. And I thought that that was interesting. Like she's giving him tips. So is she part of the resistance? So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And I, his pit crew looks like a lot of fun, a lot of different, uh, aliens and, and stuff like that. And, you know, just like we didn't know anything about Rebels when it first started. And we don't know anything about these characters. But by the end of this whole series, we could fall in love with these characters just like we fell in love with Zeb and, and, uh, Kanan and Hera and Sabine and, you know, Chopper. Ezra. Sure. So I'm looking forward Absolutely. to it. 
I'm looking forward to it. So, and you know, something about Star Wars that they've always excelled in is definitely the creature design. So, we can only imagine what kind of aliens and creatures they're going to run into in this series. I mean, especially with the animation style, mm-hmm. your your imagination is unlimited here. They could really do a lot of stuff and. Yeah, this looks like a lot of fun. I'll absolutely, I'll absolutely check this out. It looks like a whole lot of fun, and the trailer is like perfect length. It's a good teasery length for yeah. a trailer, yeah. but gives you enough details that you're like, ooh, you know, like like we've just been speculating here about what might happen. It's the perfect length trailer. Yeah, and we're getting more Captain Phasma. So that's yes, thank we, God, we need that. <laughs> what what the platform is this coming out on uh this is disney channel it's actually going to be coming out on the disney channel sunday october 7th at 10 o'clock yeah 10 o'clock um on disney channel disney now and disney channel video on demand with subsequent airings on disney xd so i don't know that the fact that they've got it on at 10 o'clock at night is yeah. a little insane to me. 10 o'clock yeah. Eastern, so it'll be like 9 o'clock my time, 10 o'clock your time, Rebecca. Yeah, that's uh, if this is geared for kids, Sunday night at 10 o'clock, yeah. that's a terrible time to watch yeah. it. Although, I mean, with On Demand, I guess you could watch it anytime, Well, that's what they did. See, this is what they did with the, to watch it. the final season of... Um, Rebels, they did the exact same thing here. They had it air at like fucking like Monday and like some, some crazy fucking time on Monday. It was insane, like mm. really fucking late. But then like the next day during the day, they'd play it like two or three times. So, yeah. So that's kind of like what they're doing here, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. It's more Star Wars and it's for the kids. Jesus Christ. People get so goddamn bent out of shape over shit, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like the whole thing about people being upset about the new She-Ra cartoon and all of these. And the Thundercats. <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, yeah. That, that's a whole nother thing with, with the Thundercats. They're complaining about the animation, but with She-Ra, what these these guys are complaining about is that her breasts aren't big enough, and it's like, <laughs> um, you do understand that Shira is supposed to be a role model or a a hero for teenage girls. So, are you uh, serious? People are oh, complaining oh. that her boobs aren't big enough. Uh, there is a whole community of men who are very upset. That Shira's boobs are not big enough. You guys are fucking perverts. <laughs> That's I I know I know I it's it's absolutely. Ridiculous. If you're going, the show is not meant for you. If you're the going, show is not made for you. If you're watching old Shira reruns for fucking jerk off material, and you got that shit. If you got Shira in your spank bank, you are fucked up. That's yeah, that's their biggest complaint is that she's not um, – her boobs aren't big enough. Uh, the idea of She-Ra is to, for her to be 
a role model for that 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 like tween age group, just like He Man is for for the tween age boys, right? They have a, a a hero that they can look up to. Well, this is our hero. This is for 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 the girls, and so no, we're not going to sexualize her. We're going to give her a regular size body, and if you're complaining that her boobs aren't big enough, you you, you got a real problem. You got right. a serious problem if that's your complaint. Like mm-hmm. the show is not fucking made for you. And if oh my you're god, off I to can't it, like, believe that somebody actually got vocal about that. Oh, it, it was all over Twitter when when the first images came whoa, out. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, her boobs are not big enough for me. I've got a big problem with this. This is like, come on, you are you're a fucking lunatic. You're a fucking yeah. pervert at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I never even looked at like the original She-Ra as like, oh my god, I'm I'm gonna go rub one off to like the original She-Ra. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I may have rubbed one off to Jessica Rabbit. I'm not going to lie. I was probably 12 and I was very confused. But that's a completely different story altogether, okay? All right. No, but not She-Ra. Come on. Not fucking She-Ra. Give me a goddamn break. She-Ra. Jessica Rabbit, though, that's a completely different story. I'm not going to lie. That's right. Well, I I mean, that, that dress... I don't know how I don't know how that dress stayed on double sided tape Ugh. magic. Wow. I don't know. I don't know how that dress stayed oh. on. I had my my had an ex girlfriend who dressed up as uh, Jessica Rabbit one year for Halloween, and uh, at the end of the night, she was like, "Do you want me to keep the wig on?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> 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 so yeah, that was yeah that was one off the old bucket list. So, <laughs> and it, yeah, what, but it, yeah, but I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. She doesn't need n- bigger boobs in the cartoon for children. You guys are ridiculous. And the whole mm-hmm. like Thundercats thing with people complaining about that. My whole thought on this is they tried to reboot back in 2010, 2011. That was a little bit more adult. Um, than what they're attempting now and it failed they it went on for two seasons and it got canceled and in order to keep thundercats relevant any thundercats is good so if you have to make the animation look like steven universe and you have to target it towards a younger audience that's what you got to do to keep thundercats in the minds of children today mm-hmm. so that when those kids hopefully fall in love with this show when they get older, they'll want to see a Thundercats movie. But I mean, they already tried. They already tried to reboot the way that we wanted it, and it didn't work out. Like I, and you could say like, oh, it, that 2010 series that, that I didn't like that either. First off, you're nuts because it was really good. It was better than the original, and I will argue tooth and nail about that. But like, yeah, I would love to. If honestly, I would love to see Thundercats get rebooted, and then for do. To do like uh, what they did with Castlevania on um, mm. Netflix, I would love yeah. to see a Thundercats done like that. But Abs- oh god, that yes, absolutely. But Rebecca, they're not doing that. And if if they don't do anything with Thundercats, it'll just fall into obscurity. Look at characters like Doc Savage. 
Doc Savage came out before Superman. Doc Savage was like the original superhero. D- does anybody really talk about Doc Savage anymore? No. Why do they not talk about Doc Savage? Because nobody's doing anything with the property, really. Maybe a comic book will come out every once in a while, but nobody's doing anything with Doc Savage. And if you don't do anything with Thundercats at all, it'll go away forever. So if we don't get this fucking, like, Steven Universe-looking baby bullshit Thundercats that we're going to get, it'll go away forever and everyone will forget it. We have to keep it alive somehow. So if this show succeeds in any way, that only means good things for Thundercats, people. Yeah, no, you're, abs- you're absolutely right because, I mean, I grew up watching Thundercats just as you did, Brian. Um, uh, Philip, did you grow up watching Thundercats also? Was that something that you watched as a kid? Oh, I did watch She-Ra, though. Were you upset that her boobs weren't big enough? I'm teasing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, see, like, I, I, I also grew up watching Thundercats, and, and I, enjoy, I enjoyed those shows, and I, I can look back on them for the nostalgia value. Yeah. The, the, the storylines are terrible. Like, I can admit that too. Like, it's the, it's that repetitive same thing every week thing that you love when you're a kid, but then when you're an adult, you watch it and you go, oh my god, this is shit. But, I, I, I love it for the nostalgia now as an adult, but I agree. If you don't do something with it, it will disappear and then people won't ever talk about it again. And I do, do I want to see like a Thundercats movie? Absolutely. I want to see a Thundercats movie that's made for my generation. Yeah. But if you have to, you have to then at least start with this with this animation that's geared to younger kids because younger kids will watch it and they'll say to their parents, Hey mom, dad, look at this new show called Thundercats. Yeah. And, and it gets people talking about it again. See, that's the thing. I think fandom gets so goddamn stupid, especially like when, uh, it's, it's like the old, like us. And we look at this fucking, you know, like we look at our Thundercats and then, and then, and then we get this new thing and we're just like, ah, fuck. It's not made for you. It's made for your fucking kids. And your kids aren't going to look at it with the same fucking judgmental fucking eyes that you are looking at it with. Right. It's made for your kids. Let your kids mm-hmm. enjoy it. Because right now, Hollywood or whatever studio is not making the Thundercats that we want. But hopefully, hopefully this Thundercats will do very well. And then mm-hmm. 20 years from now, uh, the, your kids that watch this Thundercats show and made it popular, hopefully they'll want to see a more adult Thundercats at that point in time. And that's what we'll get. We're not getting it now, unfortunately. So, I I mean, any way to keep it popular, it's not the Thundercat that you want. I get it. I get it. You don't want to see Steven Universe fucking drawn Thundercats with little... You know, a little short, little goofy looking. You buy Funko Pops though, you fucking dork, don't ya? You fucking, you motherfuckers that bitching about this fucking Thundercats reboot. You fucking pussies are buying fucking Funko Pops. You got those goddamn things all up and goddamn up and down your goddamn walls, don't ya? Yeah. Don't give me that shit. Mm-hmm. You little fucking uh, Funko Pop bullshit. Uh, uh, up and down your goddamn walls. 
<laughs> oh shit oh wow brian called me out i'm over here judging brian for saying it's okay to have a fucking little baby goo goo gaga fucking uh thundercat shit but yeah i don't have any funko pops in my bedroom you fucking pusshole all right <laughs> funko pops you little fucking pussies all right Sorry, I've, I've had a lot to drink tonight, guys. Um, I don't judge you if you have Funko Pops. If you want your little Funko Pop baby bullshit, that's cool. Whatever. <laughs> that's all on you. Your little baby toy bullshit. Little beady-eyed fucking fuckers. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> you like, no, I had to turn it on him, Rebecca, because I know there were people, there were people that saying, oh, I can't believe Brian is saying it's okay to have this little baby fucking uh, Thundercat show. And on the flip side, if they look to their left, they've got their little fucking Funko Pop Mumra. So they need to shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's that, that sound of animation, it is very reminiscent of Funko Pop. So it's like, if yeah. you love one, I don't understand why you can't have understanding for the other so i mean your kids love steven universe your kids love like teen titans go it's it's the same concept guys just let your kids enjoy this and then hopefully after your kids enjoy this and there's more hype for thundercats then we'll get like that netflix animated series like with adult animation like with addy shankar doing like the castlevania stuff for netflix maybe we'll get that eventually but like right now, just like let your fucking six year old enjoy this new Thundercats instead of you being a pretentious fuck yet still having pussy ass fucking Funko Pops on your wall. All right. Sorry. That's just I'm sorry. I'm 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 judgy tonight. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Re- Rebecca, you, you've been talking too much about my Tom Cruise guy. You've been. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry for having an opinion. I'm so sorry that no, I have an opinion. You're in the no, seriously. Like you are in the majority. Like everybody's going to disagree with me, and I get it. I don't give a fuck though. I don't care. Come at me, bro. That's what I got to say. <laughs> it's fine. No. Like I get it. Like I get it. Like a lot of people don't want like the big name actors in these roles, and a lot of people aren't a fan of, you know, Tom Cruise, so I, I, I totally get it. I, hey, I want to thank you guys for both joining me on this episode for not like yeah. passing out early, like uh, Scott Shooty, you know. <laughs> going to no, I love you, Scott. You're a great guy, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us this episode. Thanks for having me. Always yeah. a blast. I said us. I don't even have Jake here this week. Mm-hmm. This is my house this week. I, you know, I've done this. Yeah. I've done this episode a disservice. Why, why do you say that? I blame myself for every episode. I <laughs> I think I'm terrible. I think I'm terrible. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for joining us, man. And thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, like, this was so surreal it's for not- me. That I got to admit, that's why I was quiet for a lot of it because most of the – I mean I'm only used to sitting back and listening to the podcast and – this is the first time I've been a part of the conversation, but it like this has never happened to me before. Like I, I've not uh, been a part of the conversation, so I'm just used to listening and it 
so many times I had to remind myself, like, no, I'm, this is not a podcast recording. I'm, this is a conversation <laughs> I'm a part of. You're here. So, this is live. Yeah. yeah. You are a part of this. <laughs> yeah. You are a part of this. Yeah, man. This is, ha- yeah. this is happening, dude. You were in the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like what I'm saying, like right now, that's happening, dude. That is happening. You guys sound like you're on a bad trip. Dude, <laughs> this is really happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can react to what I'm saying, like, right now. Like, I have no idea what you're going to say right now. Complete spontaneity on your part. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Purple monkey dishwasher. Boom! Nailed it! <laughs> Purple monkey dishwater or whatever. Rebecca, do you have any more potato documentaries or shows that you want to talk about? And not with you, no. Jesus Christ! <laughs> fucking. Next, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Rebecca on in a couple of weeks, and she's gonna talk about like uh, Mr. Potato Head for fucking three hours. No, whatever. No, it's I want to I want to watch this movie. I just it, it's it's gonna take me I don't know a while to learn the title. I, I <laughs> you know it's it's as as a World War Two. Enjoyer of films that you are, Brian, you might actually I find will. a lot in this film to appreciate. I no, I'm. Listen, listen, I'm trying to make some jokes and right. I know you are. No, <laughs> I'm trying to make like terrible jokes, but I'm you know like now you're just now you're saying, Brian, I'm taking that away from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, have you ever seen the Boy in the Striped Pajamas? Have you ever seen that World War Two yes. movie? I have. Incredible. Philip, have you oh. ever seen it? No, but I know what it's about. I know what it is. Right, don't spoil it. You sound like you were getting ready to spoil it, Philip. Like, yeah. you sounded like the guy that just like walked out of the sixth sense and they were just like, yeah, man, I can't believe he saw dead people the whole time. That Bruce Willis guy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't spoil it. The boy with the striped pajamas. If it's streaming anywhere, watch it, people. It's fucking amazing. I am going to put this fucking episode to bed. It needs to end. Philip, thank you so much. What? Best episode ever. Oh, God. Don't go that far. You're being ridiculous, sir. (laughs) Let's Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And happy birthday. Like, happy birthday, you son of a bitch. Gosh, this was what I wanted for my birthday, and now I got it. You got Aww. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Philip's like, uh, I don't know. Can I can we get a redo? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, in another 10 years, I'll be 50. Oh, my God. Me too, dude. No. Oh, fuck me, man. 50, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Am I going to be doing this shit at 50? You know what I mean? You could be. Might be. Oh my be. god. See, that's the thing. Like, okay, hold on. Am I do- if I'm doing this in 10 years, I need to go back and listen to myself like years before. I if I start to slow down, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I need to bounce out. That's like it. I don't want to st- I don't want to start sounding like I'm 50. I don't think I I don't. Even, I don't want to sound like I'm forty. Yeah, sure as I sure as fuck hope I don't sound like I'm fucking forty. Christ, you I, don't sound forty. Yeah, like the first time I heard you, I thought you were in your twenties. 
Listen, to, you were like, listen to this immature fuckhead. <laughs> listen to this ignorant fuck with Funko Pops on his wall, weren't you? You were saying that, weren't you? You were like, oh, that's why this guy's excited about fucking Goo Goo Gaga fucking Thundercats. That's what you were well, saying. The first, thing, the first thing I heard you ever talk about was Pokemon Go. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's when you were that's when you were going all over the place with Pokemon Go. Oh Justin. gosh, I I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I fucking Pokemon Go. They uh, before the movies. Have you guys seen like the little commercials they're doing where you can trade now? Been, yeah, they, I have. Yeah, they've been showing those commercials in my theater. I'm gonna end this. This is ridiculous. Now I'm talking <laughs> about Pokemon Go. Blame you, Philip. Guys, uh, Philip, thanks again. Rebecca, thanks again. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture. Leftovers, uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers, pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers.